When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. everyone. Welcome to the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Thanks for tuning in. This is WABC. I am a lover of history. I'm a lover of old things. I'm a lover of old stories, particularly, and maybe this is my narcissism coupled with my fondness for history. I am very, very interested in my own personal family history. I used to love asking my grandmother, who I knew until she passed away uh, right right before she was 96, used to love asking her stories about her mom coming here from Italy. I used to love asking my grandfather stories about growing up in Italy and his uh, his uh, father and his parents and his upbringing. I used to love doing research, do love doing research still on uh, different websites to see when different relatives of mine came to America, what ships relatives of mine came to America on. You know what ship my grandfather came to America on? The Andrea Doria, believe it or not. Him and his brother and his sister. And, you know, it's always interesting to me that he had two sisters that chose to remain in Italy. And you always think, what goes on in a family? You have a family of five. Why would three choose to come to America? Why would two choose to come to Italy? So that's why I have always been fascinated by the world of genetic testing. And years ago... I figured this would be something that I would eventually get around to doing. In fact, I got it for my wife for Christmas a few years ago. And you know what? She met an aunt. She met an aunt that she never knew. She met her father's sister, who she never knew existed. And now they have a great relationship these days, and uh, they're they're very close. I have another friend of mine who met his biological father through one of these genetic web uh, these genetic testing websites. So there's a lot of good that can come uh, from these these websites. Over the years, though, really the last two to three years, I have become increasingly concerned about handing over your DNA voluntarily to a giant corporation, a corporation run by strangers. And there's so many. And the more I research this, the more potential reasons I can find not to do it. And again, I'm so conflicted about this because I want to meet, uh, you know, strange relatives of mine that I never knew. You know, my mother has an uncle that she used to be very close to that she's no longer in touch with. I'd love to meet him and his relatives. I've never met him, never met him. So the more I research these DNA web, these DNA testing websites, the more I become convinced that it's unwise to just hand over this this DNA to a, a corporation run by strangers. Number one, every day, and this is not necessarily related to DNA, 
But every day we hear another story about a giant corporation, a business, a, a government entity, a big, big database of some sort being hacked by criminals and criminals gaining access to people's social security numbers, to people's credit card numbers, to people's bank account numbers. You mean to tell me that they're not going to be able, they can hack Walmart and Kmart and Target, but they can't hack um, you you name it, genealogy.com. You know, I don't want to pick on any particular genealogy testing website. Uh, so now you have the hacking issue. You have the issue of who might profit from your DNA. You have the and you know what? Spoiler alert. It's not you. You have the fact that there are all sorts of laws that are not yet written covering genetic privacy. What are they going to be able to do with your DNA? Are they going to be able to market you drugs uh, tailor made for an illness that you have? Are they going to be able to discriminate against you because you're more likely to develop a genetic illness in the workplace? If you apply to a job, what's going to stop? These laws are not yet written yet. And you have a number of uh, other issues. You know, they have a privacy statement. These companies have a privacy statement. What's to stop these companies from changing the privacy statement? Nothing. Nothing stops these uh, these companies from changing it. And, of course, we have the most important reason, in my judgment, for not handing over your DNA to total strangers. And I'm reminded of what Rush Limbaugh, a radio great who we lost this year, he was one of my favorites, somebody I enjoyed listening to, especially in his years on this station, who used to always say, See, I told you so. That's right. Every day, every week, seemingly, Rush would say, See, I told you so. And point out something in the news that was a reflection of something that he had accurately predicted previously. And now this has happened once again. You know, I was listening to Curtis Lewa on Sunday morning, and I actually called in. And one of the women called in and said, oh, you know, Frank doesn't want to have his uh, his son. He doesn't want to get genetic testing. And I think it'll be funny if uh, little Carmine gets genetic tested one day. And then uh, Curtis had a, a very odd response. He said, oh, yeah, that's some youthful act of rebellion. But anyway, number five most important reason that I don't want to get my DNA tested is you could send a relative to jail. I have just posted on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Fan your headline from the New York Times Magazine this past Sunday, your DNA test could send a relative to jail. Thanks to genetic genealogy, solving crimes with genomic databases is becoming mainstream with some uncomfortable implications for the future of privacy. Now, I told you previously that I decided I wasn't ready to do this when they caught the Golden State Killer. And they caught the Golden State Killer with DNA evidence from years ago, not because he voluntarily gave gave over his DNA, but because some relative of his did it. And I thought to myself, well, gee, do I really want to hand over my DNA 
and not only voluntarily offer law enforcement an opportunity to catch me if I ever commit a crime. But do I really want to make it that much easier to help every relative I ever have in the future get caught? Now, again, I hope nobody that I'm related to ever becomes a murderer or a rapist or a or an assaulter or a thief or a bank robber or an embezzler or, or anything. But I have no idea what kind of circumstances my grandson is going to be involved in or my great nephew or my second cousin once removed. Who knows? Maybe they get involved with the wrong people. Maybe they, you know, go down a path where, you know, they get involved with some unsavory people. And maybe law enforcement ends up looking for them. Well, if law enforcement wants their DNA, they should have to go through the conventional warrant process. They should have to go through the conventional investigation process, and they should not have a heads up and a leg up and a head start on catching my relative because I wanted to see if I was 23% Samoan or something. So now I want you to read this article. It's really interesting, and it chronicles all these crimes who have been that have been solved and all these people that have been caught because of folks giving up their DNA. So you can get, I mean, if they're going to arrest a relative of yours, they should at least warn you. Hey, by the way, this DNA sample that you voluntarily gave to a corporation run by strangers, we're going to use this to catch your cousin who committed a robbery of a liquor store. And then you can make the decision, but law enforcement's not doing that. So, This can result in arrests of guilty relatives for crimes they committed, but also this could lead to potentially false positives, mistakenly identifying innocent people. When investigators conduct forensic research with genealogy DNA, they might also interview suspects and contact relatives to obtain more information. Now, since law enforcement agencies have not been clear about how these investigations are conducted, It's tough to debate whether these communications are harmful or unethical. We don't know who've placed their data in these online databases. We also don't know how these partial genetic matches are used. So until we can get some answers on this, until we can get some privacy protections, I am not giving my DNA up to these corporations run by strangers. I don't want them selling my DNA and making money. I don't want my DNA sample hacked. And I don't want to help a relative get caught when he otherwise would not have been caught. What's your view? Read this article if you can. It's a lengthy article, but it's really well written, really well researched. And it sort of comes down on the other side. It doesn't really take a stand. But if to the extent that it takes a stand, it's against what I'm saying, not for it. 800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222 if you want to comment. Uh, we got a great show for you today. The madcap prophet Gerald Salente joins me in the 3 o'clock hour at 3.30 to get his prediction on trends for 2022. 
he is right more often than he's wrong. And then coming up uh, in about 15 minutes, I'm going to talk with Brian McKenna. He is an expert in the field of the claw game. You know those claw games that you go into a, a, like an arcade and play or you go into the lobby of a diner or a restaurant? Maybe you played when you were a kid. Maybe your kids have played. And... You know, it it often seems like a ripoff where you put some coins in and then the claw comes and you try and grab a toy or a prize and you can never seem to get that good toy. Well, this guy, Brian McKenna, has actually possibly mastered the art of the claw game. 800-848-WABC. Paul is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Paul. Hey, Frank. You know that uh, the DNA can also exonerate the wrongfully convicted. Uh, like Jeffrey Deskovic, a victim of Janine Pirro. And have- thank you. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Debbie in Cranford. Hello, Debbie. Uh, Debbie's got other priorities. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. We'll go through your mail a little bit later. Best and worst emails to frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. You can also find me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash moranofan. Dave is on Long Island. Hello, Dave. Hi, Frank. I wanted to say that this really opens the door to Big Brother in the future. Because you can bet these databases will be taken by any any diabolical government that takes power in the future. We've already seen hints of that in the last couple of years. What happens if some government comes into power and they don't want you going to some place that you're not supposed to go? Oh, you know, only certain people are supposed to go here or there. Who knows? Now they're going to find out from traces of your DNA that you violated their rules. So I don't want my DNA in that database at all. Well, for, so, Dave, I, I would love to say you're being too uh, paranoid or too uh, conspiratorial, but we're already seeing this, right? So we have actually the worst of both worlds. And as Bob used to say back in the day, it's getting it's sick and getting sicker. We not only have the government being able to access your DNA through these databases, but we have private corporations who are concerned with nothing but profit accessing your DNA. Is that better than the government accessing it? I don't think so. Thank you, Dave. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Carol is in New Jersey. Hello, Carol. Carol, I got you. No, Carol. Okay, go ahead. Be heard, Carol. That's not Carol, Linda. Oh, Linda. Okay, sorry, we got Ryan again. Hello. Linda Linda from Long Island. All right, Linda. Oh, sorry, what's on your mind? I know I never call. Um, well, good. I'm so glad to hear from I, you. That's what we I, want. I just put I just put this on. I heard you saying this. I'm so, really surprised. Um, do you know? I don't know if you if if you've ever seen it. They actually. I don't. I agree with you about the other part. I hate, but you know, I want the government to know. You know, have all our business. But they did find a serial killer. They couldn't find for years and years. Like the Golden State Killer. The Golden State Killer. Yeah, yeah, you know about right. You, yeah, right. And and uh, I mean that was great. They couldn't find him, and that's how they got him through a relative. Right, that's but the only way they got him. I, no, I so he was, he was used. 
Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's what the proponents of doing this say. Well, do you really want to help shield a relative that uh, is committing a crime? And my answer is maybe, maybe, maybe I do. No, why would you want to? Because you don't know the circumstances. And there are ways that law enforcement collects DNA. And there are very strict rules about how they acquire DNA and fingerprints and forensics. And just to go into this database that people are voluntarily giving up, it doesn't fly with me, Linda. I'm sorry. Larry in Brooklyn, hello. Yeah, um, it's true there are ways of there are different ways of acquiring DNA. Um, but uh, that is usually used by the defense attorneys in order to thwart a conviction. Uh, but it's very that's really a, a shot in the dark. Uh, as you know, this Chanel Lewis who murdered Katrina Vitrano was found guilty uh, in Howard Beach. You know, they're still trying to get him out, even though his DNA was found on under her fingernails. So DNA is pretty much a slam dunk. And um, I don't understand why you'd want to obstruct law enforcement. Well, well, it's not uh, it's not obstruction. It's not giving them a heads up. Now, do you realize if you're on trial, whether it's in federal court or state court, how many advantages the prosecution has over the defense? Number one, you have a limitless supply of money. You have a pressure to plea once you've been indicted that is overwhelming. You have access to the finest experts in the world, which you can fly in from anywhere. The defense, unless you have billions of dollars or at least tens of millions of dollars, the defense doesn't have that. Now, you want to then put your thumb on the scale in the favor of the prosecution even more by saying, oh, now law enforcement no longer has to connect, excuse me, collect DNA in the standard way that they've been collecting it. Because people are voluntarily giving this up. It would be like you voluntarily giving up your fingerprints, only so much worse. Because if you voluntarily give up your fingerprints, you know who the only person that's going to be hurt by that? You. But by voluntarily giving up your DNA, you are hurting everybody that you're related to. Everybody that you may be related to in the future. And that's why this caller to Curtis early Sunday morning in the two o'clock hour, she correctly stated my position. You know, Frank Rana refuses to do a genealogical history. Wow. He won't go to St. Salt Lake City and get his background checked? No. A number of people have asked him if he has ever done genealogical history. And his excuse is that he doesn't want to give his DNA to anyone, to a stranger. No, you know what? Just today. Yes, go ahead. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Just today, a thought occurred to me that it would be very funny if his son Carmine, when he grew older, decided to do it. Ah, an act of rebellion on behalf of his son Carmine. I like that. It would be very funny if his son, when he got older, decided to do the genealogical history. Well, well you know, Ellen, uh, you see the uh, advertisements uh, every five seconds. Let me, so. let me jump in there. For, first of all, as far as uh, youthful acts of rebellion goes, I'd rather him give his DNA to 23andMe than, uh, you know, than, than start doing drugs or, you know, start doing some other unsavory activities. I mean, that, that's okay. But in the future, 
What's important for these law enforcement agencies, whether we're talking local police forces, whether we're talking the FBI, the CIA, is what's important for them to do is formalize transparency. Researchers, legal scholars, ethicists, uh, genealogists, they should begin to study how many law enforcement agencies currently use forensic DNA searching and how they do it. These departments, whether it's the NYPD or the FBI or anything in, in between, they should also adopt standards and mechanisms for accountability. What can they do? What can't they do? Lawmakers should also think about placing some restrictions on using DNA evidence so it's an investigative tool rather than a primary source of evidence. Why do any police work? We got the DNA and the whole world has just voluntarily given up their DNA. Let's just match A to B and let's catch Frank Morano's second cousin once removed. 800-848-WABC. Patrick is, oh, sorry, Patrick's in New Hampshire. Hello, Patrick. Morning, Frank. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, back in 05 or 06, I was riding my motorcycle and, uh, you know, there was a, a state, uh, state trooper mm, garrison, not garrison, but a group of them where they, you know, said all vehicles must enter this, you know. And I, I, I pulled up and a trooper said, hey, you know, we'll give you 10 bucks because we're trying to see if we can, you know, determine alcohol content, bodily alcohol content by swabbing your mouth. And I said, hey, for 10 bucks, you know, yeah, you can put a Q-tip in my mouth. You know, I don't care. But then I realized, you know, now that you're talking about it, it's like they kind of fooled me into giving up my DNA, you know, because they weren't looking for alcohol content. They were just collecting DNA of people, you know. But well, I took 10 bucks and I bought my motorcycle, gas for my motorcycle for a couple of weeks, you know. Well, I, I mean, I guess that's a that's an equation you're going to have to make. Uh, you're going to have to determine whether it's worth giving up your DNA for ten dollars. Oh, no, this was a long time ago. Not, well, that's what I'm saying is they yeah, now have your yeah. DNA forever, and that ten dollars is spent. Yeah, but you know they 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 were deceptive in their practice. You know. Yeah. But that's. Hey, that's the authorities. That, right? Exactly. Exactly, Patrick. Thank you very much. 800-848-9222. Someone with a contrary view is Neil on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Friend, uh, two things. Number one, I said genealogy. My friend sent his, uh, his DNA sample out. It came back. He was 10% Jewish. Oh, congratulations said, to him. I said, Paul, how can you be Jewish? It's a religion. How do they know tell you you're Jewish? Then a month later, they sent them a letter. They said they made a mistake. It's only 1%. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, you forget about that genealogy stuff. He, he must have, did he now when that happened? Did he have to relinquish his control of the media? Uh, well, no, but uh, I, I do. I do uh, give him some gefilte fish and macaroons <laughs> once a year. That's why I think I might be part Jewish because I'm quite fond of uh, of gefilte fish. I know that for a fact, Frank. I know that for a fact. I, I, as, as for the DNA, I got to tell you, if I had a cousin that uh, killed a, a car full of nuns. You know, I, I take a line from the Clint Eastwood movie. I say, hang him, hang him high. I turn the guy in in a second. I don't care who he is. Hey, that's ridiculous. Well, what do you, why protect the criminal? So, look, I think if your cousin tells you, hey, I, I, I killed this car full of nuns, and you decide that you want to go to law enforcement, I think that's great. My point is I think there's way too many 
unforeseen circumstances involving the criminal justice system for me to give a leg up in terms of capturing relatives that I have that haven't even been born with, that, that haven't even been born yet. Well, but they didn't create. If they haven't been born, they didn't create a crime. Well, exactly. What are you about? Well, because I can't predict the future. Somebody that can, by the way, is Gerald Salente. He's going to join us at three thirty. Coming up next, we're going to talk about this claw game. You want to squeeze in on this uh, subject? You're welcome to eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. In the meantime, you know, when I, I when I was arranging this interview with Gerald Salente, I looked. At, I have him on every year at this time, every year this week. I looked at his predictions last year, and I looked at his predictions the two years ago. And you know what he said both years? He said to me, buy gold, buy gold. Gold was up 19% in 2019. It was up 20% or 21% in 2020. It's up even more this year. Had I taken $10,000 and done what he suggested two or three years ago, forget about it. I would be doing very well right now. Well, I'm going to ask him what he thinks, where he thinks we're going on the gold front going forward. But the bottom line is, if you think inflation is here to stay, then gold is your friend. Gold is a hedge against inflation. And gold and other precious metals are something that retain their value. They only increase in value as your dollar diminishes in buying capacity. The more it costs to buy gasoline, the more gold is worth. The more it costs to buy groceries, the more gold is worth. The less the dollar is worth, the more gold is worth. And that's why you need to reach out to the good folks over at Legacy Precious Metals. These guys are experts when it comes to gold. So if you have an existing retirement account, think about rolling it into a gold or a silver IRA. And if you do it, do it with Legacy Precious Metals because these guys are the experts. They are the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased information based on your individual situation. Contact Legacy Precious Metals today. Write this number down, 866 866- Nine three two zero six three five. That's eight six six nine three two zero six three five. Or you can visit legacypminvestments.com. That's legacypminvestments.com. You're hearing things. You're hearing things on seventy seven WABC. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Hey, you ever go into an arcade or uh, the lobby of a restaurant? I notice it in diners a lot, but it's in all sorts of restaurant lobbies, you know, uh, near the change machine. Back in the day, they used to have a cigarette machine over there. Back in the day, you might see a payphone. Well, you still very often see one of these claw machines. Now, if you have children, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been a child, you know what I'm talking about. If you have grandchildren, you know what I'm talking about. Because there's just something about these machines 
that looks so great, not just for kids, for adults too. You pass these machines and it's uh, it, it's encased in this clear casing, like presumably glass, and they have all sorts of cool things in there. Maybe a mobile phone, maybe, uh, I don't know, a wristwatch, maybe a stuffed animal, all sorts of neat things. And just for a quarter or 50 cents, you can try and grab it with the claw. And a lot of times it seems like you can grab them. But then when you try and move the claw to the area where you deposit your prize, instead of depositing your prize, you lose. You lose the prize. You lose your money. Well, one enterprising young Missourian has come up with a way to perhaps beat the system. Brian McKenna, he's a salesman by day and an author and an entrepreneur by night. His latest book is How to Beat the Claw Machine. I am thrilled he's agreed to join me on the radio this morning. Hello, Brian. Frank, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate your time and your fascination with the claw machine. Brian, you know, I've never met you, never spoken to you before, but there, there's something about you that I could tell you and I would be fast friends. I, I just wish you lived closer and we could hang out because uh, you strike me as exactly my kind of guy. Now, uh, Brian, what t- what sparked your interest in the claw machine? Of all things that you could spend time, money, and research on, why these claw machines? You know what? That's an interesting question. Um, I, I always blame the fact that I won on my very first try. I was five years old. I put a, a buck in, and for some reason, I won. And so I think that that thrill, the rush of, you know, of winning uh, is what's kept me coming back and, and, and really mastering these claw machines. Well, it's funny. I I always tell people that gamble, the worst thing for them is to win the first time because then that basically sentences them to a lifetime of losing money at craps or blackjack or, or poker. Now, did you have any method that first time you won when you were five years old or it was just blind luck? Totally blind luck, but um, I will say throughout the years, I've really studied these machines and uh, I've started to figure out how they ticked. You know, there's... It's just like gambling, actually. I, I like to relate it to that a lot because um, the claw machines, unfortunately, yes, I have to admit it, they are rigged. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't win. There's still ways to beat the machine when it's not ready to pay off. Since you were five years old, how much money would you say you've spent on these claw machines over the years? You know, I, I have. I've done the calculations, and I. I want to say that I've probably spent over $10,000 wow. in my lifetime. Wow. Did you not? Now, when you go and, and use these claw machines, how much of it is chance? How much of it is skill? You know, I like to say that it's half chance, half skill. Um, because, you know, there, there's always these techniques you can use that are going to increase your odds, you know, increase your chance of winning. But, there still is that time where the claw machine's just not going to pay off, and if if you're there at the wrong time, um, you're out of luck. Okay, so give us some tips. I mean, again, we want to encourage everybody to buy your book. It's available on Amazon. Uh, it's How to Beat the Claw Machine, Tips and Tricks to Help You Win Big. Give us a couple of tips that our audience can benefit from. Well, I'm going to fill you in on one of my favorites. I love telling people it's all about getting the maximum strength out of the claw, okay? And the way we have to do this is – to get the claw to close as much as possible. And so my recommendation to all your listeners is go for a prize that's laying horizontally. It's going to give you the best chance to get the claw underneath 
imagine if a prize is sitting, you know, vertically, you can grab the head, it might grab around the body, but you can't grab totally underneath it. And uh, that's what's going to give you the best odds of picking up that prize. How much of improving your your prize winnings at these claw machines, uh, how much is a reflection of practice? You know, I would say um, quite a bit of it is. I, a part of my book is the follow-through strategy, and it talks about you got to get out there and practice. You know, it's, it's just like any sport. You know, you wouldn't go onto a, a football field and never throw the pigskin. you got to get out there, and you have to put it in the practice if you want to get better. How have you done? What have been some of the prizes that you've won over the years using some of the techniques that you've outlined in your book? Um, some of the heavy hitters are uh, I won an iPhone. Um, yeah, that was a big one for me. I've also won some prizes that are pretty near and dear to my heart. I, you know, I won uh, a Gumby back when I was growing up. You know, some nostalgic stuff, of course, but uh, um, I also won a PS4. That was another big one I pulled out of the claw. Yeah, I mean that's I mean what does that go for? Like two hundred bucks? Yeah, something like that. And I I got it for about fifteen. Oh, and I will say one of my craziest wins ever was down in Panama City Beach, Florida. I pulled a lobster out of a claw machine. And the deal is if you win, they have to cook you that lobster and you eat it for dinner. But it was it was pretty crazy. It was difficult. It's it's hard to imagine picking up a prize that's actively trying to get away. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask, because I've seen those lobster claw machines as well. Are the claw machines for something like a lobster different from the claw machines that you might see in an arcade or something? You know, the only thing that's going to be different is the difficulty is going to be set a little higher. Because, you know, the, the more expensive the prize, the more money's got to go in before they can pay out. How long did it take you to master the tips that you have outlined in this book here? You know what, Frank? I've had a very long and interesting career with claw machines, Um, you know, from just playing them to owning them, repairing them. Um, So I've really gotten to see the inside and outs of the claw machine. I think I have a very unique um, experience, but it has taken many, many years, um, lots of trial and error and I have truly put in my 10,000 hours into the arcade. (laughs) Now, you've actually purchased your own claw machines to practice at home. Is that accurate? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, when I was was in high school, I decided I needed to find a way to fund my claw machine addiction. And so I started a little arcade company. And I started putting them in local businesses and restaurants in the St. Louis area. And uh, it was successful. And I was able to grow my business. It was a lot of fun. Now, but you're from our area originally, right down by the Jersey Shore? Um, no, born and raised St. Louis, Missouri. Um, but uh, but I love my East Coasters. Oh, hey, if you can help them win the claw game, uh, I'm sure they're going to uh, love you as well. All right, so beyond looking for horizontal items, give us one other tip that our listeners might be able to benefit from. Sure. There's, so there's one interesting thing about the claw that a lot of people don't notice, and that's the back wall is always a mirror. And uh, they do that to throw your depth perception off. And so what you need to do, if you can, it's called the two-angle approach. Basically, you want to line your prize up from the front and then either run to the side of the machine or have a buddy there um, and basically line it up from both sides. Because when you're looking at the claw, 
that mirror in the back really messes with your depth perception, and it really makes a big difference if you can hit the prize square on. So should you just stay away from that back wall because of the mirror effect? Yeah, you know, I, I recommend, um, you know, always go for the, the best, the most winnable, easy prize you can. Um, but, yeah, just be careful. It, it can throw you off. That's part of the reason why you'll hit the button sometimes and it lands in a totally different spot than you intended. And you're like, how did that happen? Are, and, your, uh, are, are your claw machines any different from the standard garden variety claw machines? Are they exceptionally difficult or exceptionally easy? Do they offer anything different from what people see in most claw machines? Yeah, I always set my claw machines a little bit easier because um, I, I am a claw machine advocate. I love that people like to play the claw and are interested with it, so I always want people to win more often. Um, but uh, besides that, it's, it's a standard plush and, and claw machine. We're talking with Brian McKenna. He's uh, written a book all about tips that you can use to master the secrets of the claw machine. If you want to purchase the book, you can go to the website, clawmachinebook.com. That's clawmachinebook.com. So based on what you said, Brian, it leads me to think that the individual vendors of these claw machines, they can determine the difficulty themselves. So some might make it super difficult, near, nearly impossible, and others might make it a little easier. Yes, that is the case. Um, without naming any names, I will say I've worked for some pretty um, large national and international claw machine companies, and um, some are less generous than others. I, <laughs> I will say there's something called the three-second hold. It's kind of notorious in this industry, and it's basically a technique where the claw is just enough strength to pick up your prize, and after three seconds, it drops it. So it's all about uh, providing that false hope. In terms of, I remember I've seen from time to time machines that say guaranteed to win. What are those claw machines doing that uh, that the rest of the the difficult claw machines are not doing? How do they change the settings on the machines that are guaranteed to win? You know what? It's all about profit margin. Um, a lot of those games are a dollar a play, and the prize inside is usually worth about a quarter. And basically what the claw um, will do is it'll, every time it plays, if it doesn't see that a, a prize went through the chute, you know, they have a sensor on it, um, it'll just give you another credit and you get to go, go, go and, until you get something. And if you're real lucky, you'll find one of those with a broken sensor and uh, you can go <laughs> home with a with a trash bag full. <laughs> in terms of the prizes that are in there, you mentioned getting a PlayStation 4 and an iPhone and when you were a boy, you got a stuffed animal. Are the prizes that are in the claw machine, is that is that stocked by the vendor? And in, in this instance, would it be stocked by you or would it be stocked by the business that hosts the claw machine? Usually it's stocked by the vendor. So most uh, like when you go into a Walmart and you see the claw machines, that's a big national arcade company that manages all those. Um, and one interesting little arcade secret is um, when you pick up an iPhone out of a claw machine, you're never really picking up an iPhone. You're always picking up just a block, and you got to go, you know, get it at the ticket counter. But um, I think they learned early on uh, dropping iPhones from that uh, height isn't a, a great idea in the claw. Well, also it makes it a magnet for theft, I would think, right? Absolutely, yeah. And these machines, they've, they've beefed them up in recent years. Um, some even have bulletproof glass because, you know, you can see there's some designer purses and 
ball machines now. So, yeah, they've definitely had to step up uh, the vandal-resistant aspect of them. You mentioned designer pur- pur- uh, purses. What are some of the other higher-end prizes that people might be able to win if they play their cards right or they play their claws right? You know, it's always about the new gaming system, so mm-hmm. the Nintendo Switch, the PS5, um, the latest Xbox, the iPhones. Um, you know, some of the cooler prizes I've seen recently, there's some arcades that are giving away cash. Hmm. Um, you know, they're just saying, hey, you can win $200 cash. And then, of course, they have the, the ticket clause now, which are fun. Um, but, yeah, it's all about the gaming systems. Is there any way to practice for a regular person that doesn't involve spending money? Is there any, you know, sort of exhibition claw machines that people can use anywhere? You know what? Not that I can think of. Um, I really wish there was. I, I think we should have uh, – Claw machines and, and all the schools. I mean, this is it's a real education we're we're missing here. Um, but no, I, I think that that might be one of my endeavors in the future, one of my philanthropic endeavors. Well, I think that would be a lot of fun, uh, Brian. You're also a uh, a children's a children's book author. Is that right? I am. I've authored two children's books um, all this year. Are they claw machine themed? No, neither of them have to do with the claw machine. Um, but, uh, no, they're just silly little kids' books. All right. Well, Brian, uh, I want to encourage folks to check out your book. It's a short read, only 26 pages, but I have a feeling it will be one of the most useful reads that people uh, enjoy this year. And if they're looking for a belated Christmas gift for somebody, this strikes me as a, a great one, particularly for the game enthusiast in all our lives. Yeah, Frank, you're a gentleman, a scholar. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time, and uh, I wish you much luck on your future crane endeavors. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'll I'll get to practicing, Brian. Best of luck to you with the book and clawing away. Thank you, Frank. By the way, real quick, how much can a business, let's say I have a restaurant or something, and I have a claw machine in the lobby, how much can a business earn on one of these claw machines? You know what? They're popular. It, it all depends on the foot traffic, but anywhere from uh, 100 to $1,000 a month. Wow. All right. It might not be a bad uh, side business for folks to get involved with. Brian McKenna, check out his book. It's all about the claw machine. If you want to win, check out the book. And uh, it's available on Amazon and uh, wherever books are sold. You can also just go to the website uh, com. Check it out. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, you're welcome to give me a call. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. I'll tell you what I would love to win in a claw machine. That is a package of life change tea because it is simply life changing. It is a product that gives you a ton of energy without caffeine. It is a product that will rid your bowels of the spoils of winter. It is a product that gets all the junk out of your system that we are putting into our bodies every day. It gets it out of there. It is a product that creates healthy gut bacteria. And if research shows us anything... It's that so many of the illnesses, so many of the ailments that we have in our daily life begin with the bacteria that is in our gut. Now, I don't know if it's coming soon to a claw machine near you, but here's how you can get it. Go to the website, getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. And if you use the promo code FRANK, you can enjoy free shipping anywhere in these United States. Getthetea.com. Promo code FRANK. Now, they don't just sell tea on there. 
they sell a whole bunch of great nutritional supplements, vitamins, supplements for your immune system, supplements for your eye health, your heart health, your cardiovascular system. And the one thing they have in common is that if you get any of these products by going to getthetea.com and you use the promo code FRANK, you will enjoy free shipping anywhere in this fine country. Getthetea.com, promo code FRANK. It is the tea that makes you go. On New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Lady Gaga singing about dancing. I don't know if there's ever been a good song about claw machines. I remember the film Toy Story, the first one. The claw machine was a pretty integral plot point in that film, but I don't remember if uh, there's ever been a song about it. I don't think there has. Maybe after whoever helps me, maybe it's Andy B, maybe it's somebody else, whoever helps me write a Thanksgiving song. Or a New Year's Eve Eve song. Maybe we can get to work on a claw machine song. 800-848-9222. I'll get to your calls in just a second. So my, speaking of New Year's Eve Eve, my wife said to me, because we're having this big party on Thursday, and if you want to come, just email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. We'll send you an invitation. But my wife said to me, you know, you really should get a haircut before New Year's Eve Eve. You're going to be in a lot of pictures. You're going to be in a lot of video. Your hair has gotten a little too long. And that's true. My hair has gotten long. However, I think what she is seeing is largely a reflection of me trying to ration the last bit of my hair gel. Because when I use hair gel, which I haven't done today and I didn't do yesterday, it keeps my hair at a manageable looking length. Otherwise, it just grows outward. It grows almost like um, like Don King or uh, Dante de Blasio. Just grows up. My hair grows in a in an afro. I, I guess uh, you know, not being actually black, you'd call it an italfro or something, right? Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. If you want to comment. So anyway, so I'm gonna try and get a haircut today. I've just SMS text message my barber, my Staten Island barber, not my Manhattan barber, who's a fine gentleman and uh, has a shop right near my house. And I'm waiting to see if he will see me tomorrow or um, Thursday or today or tomorrow, rather. So here's my question. I went to him maybe a month ago, and I always tip. I always tip well. Give him $5, $10 bucks per haircut, maybe even 15 some days if I'm feeling generous. Now, if I'm seeing him today, let's say, it's three days after Christmas, three days after Christmas. Am I obliged to throw a little extra something in there for Christmas in terms of tipping? I don't think I am. And I'm not trying to get away with anything here. I, I tipped our doorman, Omar, very substantially. Not as substantially as Matt Blaze would like me to, but substantially enough. And, uh, you know, tipped the uh, Donna, our Staten Island uh, uh, our newspaper carrier. Shout out to Donna. Listens while she delivers. But I feel like I tip him 
every month anyway. I mean, let's say I tip them on average $10 a month and I go once a month. That's $120 a year in tips he's making just for me. Am I obliged to throw a little something in there for Christmas extra? I don't, I, I don't think I am. Call me if you disagree. 800-848-WABC. I'm, I'm not talking about not tipping him. I'm going to give him 10 bucks, five bucks, maybe 10 bucks, probably. But am I obliged to give him a little extra something and say, Merry Christmas. Here you go, Lou. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Gina in Brooklyn. Hello, Gina. Hi, Frank. Frank, I really found that fella interesting that wrote the book about the claw machine. That was great. Thank, Thank you. you for that. Me too. Thank you. I, I'm going to get that book. And I only tried the claw machine once in my life and I lost. So I never, I don't like losing. So I never try that claw machine again. I've never but, won. I've tried it a few times. I've never won. But you brought up the correlation to gambling and the claw machine, which made me think, you know, maybe you would know this. Um, you said it's not good to win right away when you're gambling because then you are destined for a lifetime of losing and gambling. I played roulette when I was an 18-year-old in Puerto Rico, and I picked four numbers in a row. I won four what? times in a row. Wow. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, and I thought it was rigged. How much did you bet and, on each number? Well, in those days, let me tell you, it's a long time ago for me. Um I didn't spend more than $20. But that's a lot. So you bet you bet $20 on each number and it hit four times in a row? No. Yeah, four different numbers. No, but I, um, no, I had like $20 worth of chips, but I just put like, you know, in the middle and then around the number. Okay, the so what did you, on the numbers that hit, what would you, what were you playing on that number? You mean how much were the chips worth? No, 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 no. Like, let's say number 17 came out. How much did you bet on number 17? Well, I think the chips were worth, now I'm going back 40 years, Frank, okay? Okay. So the chips were worth like a quarter each, so a dollar and a quarter on each. I see. So you bet like a buck 25, so you'd win maybe, you know, a little over $35 or so on each on each. Yeah, and then they leave it there, and then I found um, the last number that I hit, number four, came out again, you know. So I was very frightened. I was saying to myself, you know what? This is, like, really tempting. I could love this game because I like to win, right? And I never played again. Smart. So you're a smart lady. You're a smart lady, Gina, because roulette's one of those games you never come out ahead. First of all, the longer you play any of these games, you always come out a loser, but you never come out ahead. Great call, Gina. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I I shouldn't divulge this, but I I will because I tell you everything. Uh, You know, I love trading gambling stories with everybody here. And, you know, because I talk about gambling from time to time, people will ask me about gambling. They'll bring it up with me. Dominic has, uh, you know, a lot of people have. The only person that really I I am reluctant to discuss gambling with is Sid Rosenberg because he's had such a colorful, by his own admission, gambling history. I don't want to, you know, bring up any, any, I don't want to cause any relapses in terms of his gambling problems. But Rita Cosby told me she was right she was in a casino in Europe right around her birthday and she put a thousand dollars on number eighteen. I think that's red, number eighteen on the roulette. She hit it for a thousand dollars. Do you know what that is? That's a thirty five thousand dollar win. Now you want to talk about being lucky. 
to win $35,000 on a single roulette spin. I don't know what that did for Rita's future gambling winnings. And this is many, many years ago. But that's pretty neat. If you Again, I don't want to encourage this kind of behavior. Don't go to a casino and uh, put $1,000 on one of these numbers because chances are you will lose. But the chances were that Rita would lose. And you know what? She won. Sometimes you win in claw machines. Sometimes you win in roulette. 800-848-9222. Daniel is in White Plains. Hello, Daniel. Hey, how are you doing there, Frank? Listen, sometimes you never win. Two things before the claw. First of all, I thought you bought a private house. You have a doorman? No, our building has a doorman where I work. Uh, oh, okay. And the other thing, let me clue you. I think your wife was talking about the hair on your back. That's what she was talking about. The hair on my yeah. back as opposed to what? Yeah. Oh, oh, no. That's, well, hair on your uh, that's pretty funny, Daniel. I wouldn't so quit your I'm day in, job. I'm in, well, it's not that funny. I, I'm, not, I'm not about to go on this stage. Listen, I'm in Worcester, Massachusetts. 10, 15 years ago, and there was a big dining there with a lobby. And I'm going there and I'm meeting with a few people, and a woman jumps up, and apparently she has a kid, a toddler, maybe 18 months, two years, whatever, and, and, and the kid crawled away from the table, and they're looking for him. I said, well, what happened? And she said, I don't know. He, he was here. He's not here. And people were looking under that table. So I, you know, first thing I do, I run for the lobby, all right, because I figured, what if you went out the door? You got to head that out first, and you know, make sure he's contained. He was in the claw machine playing with the toys. How did he get in the he claw machine? From, ah, he went. And this is years ago. I don't know if the model is different. He went from underneath. He pushed something up, and he went into it. Oh my goodness! He was in the machine. It's the funniest thing I ever saw. So I called the Worcester Telegram. I said, "Get down here quick! You got to." And they already had him out of the machine from the bottom. And the mother would not put him back into the picture. <laughs> that is crazy, Daniel. I appreciate you sharing. I hope, there. Yeah. I hope they have fixed that, though. I mean, that's dangerous. You have a two-year-old running around in a, inside a claw machine. First of all, shame on that kid's parents. I, I don't know. I'm not a big believer of punishing parents for children's behavior. But if a two-year-old is going to be that not supervised that he ends up inside a claw machine, I, I mean, that that's a that's a child who could use, I think, different adult supervision. Maybe someone like uh, like Michael Jackson's father or something or uh, Bing Crosby or Darth Vader, you know, or, or uh, somebody, because that's troublesome. Well, you know, you mentioned that there are people that send their kids into the claw machine. No, there aren't. aren't like they? that. Yeah. You're kidding. To grab the prize. No, there underneath. aren't. There's videos of it. That's, Go online. that's crazy. crazy. That's crazy. People are crazy. Yeah, don't do that. I mean, I, I'm going to encourage. No, not recommended. I, I look. I'm all for you know. First of all, I'm not for stealing, but I'm all for trying to get an edge in games. But I would never encourage my uh, my little tyke to crawl inside a crawl machine. In fact, it would probably just make him cry. The last thing I want to do is deal with the kid crying because he's been asked to claw around a claw machine. Gary is in Inwood. Hello, Gary. Good morning, Frank. As far as the tipping goes. I don't feel it's an obligation, but I think it's a uh, recognition of the service that uh, the gentleman provides for you. <sighs> That's uh, what I was afraid you were going to say. How much? How much? Well, at the least on my end, this is how I am. I either double it or triple it. Depends on the situation. Okay. It's, not a, it's not a financial situation. Whatever is handy at the time, I'll do it that way. And I, it's a good feeling for myself, too, that I did the right thing by him. 
And I always end it with shake hands and uh, wish him a happy holiday. Sure. Well, I would do that anyway, Gary. That's good. Okay. So maybe I'll give him 20 bucks. Uh, Carol in New Jersey, if this is really you this time, we only have about 20 seconds, but they're all yours. Yes, it is really me. <laughs> I wanted to tell you that not only was I lucky on the claw machines, I used to win down the shore on the boardwalk. I used to win at almost all those games. Well, you would play on well the I, I do find that interesting, Carol. Goes to show, uh, lucky in love, lucky in claw machines as well. Am I right? Hey, coming up next hour, you're going to hear something really interesting. Stay tuned. Uh, to be continued. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everyone, this is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. So I, I don't watch the View. Uh, for starters, I'm asleep at that time. Uh, secondarily, I don't really care for daytime television. Three, I mean, I really don't need to hear the women on the View. Nothing against them, but I really don't need to hear the women on the View rant about their opinions on the subjects in the news because I'm capable of forming my own opinions. And very, very often, like, I don't really gain anything by listening to to these women harp on about whatever the issues of the news are. So I don't I have seen The View. I don't think I've watched a full episode of The View. Maybe I maybe never. Maybe when the show first started, I watched it. But that's over 20 years ago. Why is this important now? So if you're not familiar with The View, The View is a show. It was uh, founded by Barbara Walters. It's a show on ABC. No affiliation with this radio station at all. WABC and ABC television used to be owned by the same company. We no longer are. So the only thing we share is a name. There's no common ownership that is not our sister network or anything like that. Now. And, by the way, we don't even have an affiliation with ABC News. Years years after we were no longer affiliated with ABC TV, we were affiliated with ABC News. That's no longer the case. Just so you understand, my remarks are not in any way colored by some sort of corporate obligation to put out some, some view-appropriate, you know, commentary. So, The View is a show on ABC – which is basically four or five women arguing about the news. And usually what they do, it skews, I don't think I'm being unreasonable here when I say it skews to the left. They have um, Joy Behar, who's left of center, Whoopi Goldberg, who is left of center, and a woman that I'm less familiar with named Sonny Hostin, who I believe is also left of center. And historically, many of the women that have been on this show as panelists, they've also been left of center. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell, for instance, is, is one that immediately comes to mind. She was one of the better known people over the years. But they've also had some people that have tried to be straight news reporters. They had uh, Meredith Vieira. She was sort of – I mean, she, you got the sense that she was liberal, but she wouldn't – she was not there to hammer home a left-wing 
ideology. And by the way, I don't care if people do want to hammer home a left-wing ideology. It makes no difference to me. God bless you. Whatever you want to do, it's not a show I'm watching anyway. Good for you. God bless you. So evidently, this was the lead item in Politico's playbook yesterday. Politico playbook is a, an email newsletter, which is basically a digest of the day's political news. Before taking off for the holidays, the four long-standing hosts of The View had a message for executive producer Brian Teta. I don't know if it's Tita or Teta, T-E-T-A. We're tired of the rotating cast of Republican guest hosts. So traditionally what they've done on this show is they have one Republican woman on. It's like it's like a, a handicap match, right? You have four left-of-center women versus one Republican woman, and the Republican woman is usually not a not a Trump Republican. Usually it's someone like Meghan McCain, who I think is a, a, an anti-Trump Republican, or who Abby Huntsman, I know, was on that show. The one woman who was on Fox, who I used to like, who was pretty good, uh, her name escapes me. Do you remember who, uh, you, uh, whatever, it doesn't, Madison Jesse Oto, is that who it is? No, somebody else. Frank Frank Diaz, go ahead, come in. You, you, you want to come in? You can come in and say something. I, I've never seen Frank Diaz care so much about anything we've discussed on the show as when I mentioned The View. Would have mentioned The View a long time ago had I known it would engender such a reaction. Well, I, I- Give, turn on Frank's mic here. I follow this like all the time. Because, right. Okay. There you go. Oh, which one? Oh, Either one. one. Now, go ahead. We got you. I follow the View all the time. Do you really? Not all. Well, just on Twitter because there's always. So the person I think you're thinking of is Megan McCain. No, 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 no. Oh. I, no, I mentioned Megan McCain. I mentioned oh, Abby, Abby Huntsman. Huntsman. Oh, right. I mentioned uh, the girl from the woman from Survivor. There was another one. Oh, um, uh, Jedediah Bila. Yes. Is that yeah, her? Yeah, yeah. Jedediah Bila. Yeah, yeah. She okay. used to host. Um, the, the the Fox uh, Fox and Friends right. Week. That's where uh, I knew it from. Right. Okay. There you go. Well. So, but no, just I, I was just saying that the um, the 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 Twitter war before Meghan McCain left was pretty intense. And how, fill us in on that. What was the Twitter war before Meghan? Uh, McCain it's just left? you know the, the, there was a lot of disagreements as far as like you know things on the political aisle. I mean she she has always been like an anti-Trump, not always been an anti-Trump person, but I know she she'll like you know diss Trump, but. She then yeah, you know, she's would, a little more conservative, then, but but then she would you know disagree on everything else. Right. But there was always Fair. fights Fair. and everything. Okay. And so basically, it was four de- four women who hate Trump that are Democrat <laughs> versus one woman who hates Trump that's Republican, right? That was basically, basically the right, basically. fair. Okay, but that's each other want to do. That's great. Well, that's very helpful. You can hear Frank Diaz. You're going to be heard five a.m. today on the early news. Yes, I am. Wonderful. To tune into Frank Diaz, uh, who I mistakenly called Deb Valentine on Friday. I still feel bad about that. So anyway, Megan McCain departed The View in August. So the executive producer, Brian Teta, initially told the publication The Wrap, which is a publication that covers the media, that he was taking a little time to find a replacement. Now, since then, ABC has tried out a variety of conservative fill-ins. They've included S.E. Cup, Alyssa Farah, I'm not familiar with her, Morgan Ortegas, Condoleezza Rice, Carly Fiorina, and Gretchen Carlson. So what I thought it might be fun to do is make a list, and we could maybe send this segment to Brian Teta, of who we think should be given a chance to be the center-right fill-in 
on the view, whether it's permanent or temporary. I've made a list of a couple here, but I'd really, really rather hear from you. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Because nearly six months in, after Meghan McCain has left, this show has yet to settle on a permanent replacement. So now the three longtime hosts, Behar, Goldberg, and Hostin, they're upping the pressure to pick a successor and voicing their displeasure at having to introduce new guest hosts week after week in a seemingly endless process that they find disruptive to the flow of the show. Quote, right now, we still do need a really conservative voice, and we need someone that's not duplicative of anyone else on the panel. According to the spokesperson for The View, the program will continue to audition potential hosts in the new year, bringing some women back for a second term. Farrah will return in January, and the show will bring in other big names like Barry Weiss and Lisa Ling, neither of whom exactly fit the conservative label, while the network continues to conduct focus groups on the audience's reaction. Now, sources close to the show said that the search has stalled as executives struggle to find a conservative cast member who checks all the right boxes. So these are the boxes. Before you give your suggestions, these are the boxes you've got to check here, okay? They will not consider a Republican who is a denier of the 2020 election results. So it can't be somebody that says Trump won, Trump won. Okay? That's number one. Number two, it cannot be a Republican who embraced the January 6th riots or is seen as flirting too heavily with fringe conspiracy theories or the MAGA wing of the GOP. But at the same time, the host must have credibility with mainstream Republicans, many of whom still support Donald Trump. So, you know, Anna Navarro, for instance, who's a never Trump Republican, she wouldn't fly because most Republicans don't even view her as a Republican, even though CNN loves to put that banner under her name on CNN, Republican strategist. I'd love to meet the last Republican she strategized for, and I'd love to know how that strategy turned out. Now, the problem is, this is a quote, the problem is they bring people on under the mantle that this woman is a conservative when they're never Trump, so they don't represent the country. Uh, at the same time, the anti-Trump conservative can't be seen as too chummy with the other co-hosts as the network's market research shows that the audience wants to see the women spar. Sources said that this has hurt the chances of Anna Navarro, who I just mentioned. This is all from Politico's playbook yesterday. You can read it for yourself. Um, she's perceived by the producers as too friendly with the other hosts and not a traditional Republican. Well, she's not a Republican. She, I mean, she worked as a surrogate for Joe Biden. Quote, this is from a quote from a former show staffer. They are really looking for a unicorn. They want someone who's going to fight, but not too hard because they don't want it to be ugly and bickering. 800-848-9222. It doesn't help that there's a perception that whoever sits in the conservative host slot is on borrowed time. With prominent Republican former co-hosts like Nicole Wallace, Elizabeth Hasselbeck, that's the woman from Survivor that I was trying to think of, Abby Huntsman and McCain leaving the show with claims of being bullied by their co-hosts and ABC executives on set and off. While veterans like Goldberg and Behar have thrived. So I want to make our lists. 1-800-848-9222. We are sending this segment to Brian Tetta, the producer of The View. And we're going to make our list 
of right of center conservative hosts for the view. So, again, you've got to probably be female. Two, you've got to check all the boxes that I just met, that I just mentioned. So I came up with a list of, let's see here. Okay, I've come up with three so far, okay? And I'm curious what you think of these three, but I'd rather hear your suggestions. Number one, Monica Crowley. How great would Monica Crowley be on that show? In fact, I'm surprised they haven't already auditioned her for that show. Now, maybe the fact that she did work briefly in the Trump administration, maybe that somehow disqualifies her. I don't I don't I don't know that it does. But, you know, she's kind of got that television temperament. She's done right left shows before. And you know that she can kind of get along, but not too well. I think that's one. You know who I think would be great, and I'm not just saying that because she's a colleague here, Rita Cosby. Now, Rita Cosby gets along with everybody, one of the nicest women in the world. And yet she can also articulate the cause of uh, conservatism as well as anybody else. I think she'd be great. And then the last one I'll mention is somebody that we have on discussing movies from time to time. And I don't know what her view is on the 2020 election results or on January 6th, but somebody that I think would be very good, Debbie Schlussel. I think Debbie Schlussel would be great. Can you imagine Debbie Schlussel mixing it up with Joy Bayar? How entertaining would that be? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let me say hello first to Chris on Staten Island. Chris, give me your suggestions. All right, I have two. One might be a little bit too old. Uh, it was Pat Buchanan's sister, Bay. Oh, she used to, yes. She used to be pretty good, but she might be too old. And the other, which would be unbelievable, would be uh, Ann Coulter. You know, I think that those are two interesting suggestions. Now, I bet now years ago they never would have considered Ann Coulter because of the hyperbolic statements that she has made and continues to make, but. She has become so anti-Trump over the last few years that I bet maybe that might help her in terms of being on there. So that would be interesting. I'm going to write that one down. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. If you wanted to make if you we're, we're going to give us these suggestions to Brian Tetta, who should be the conservative co-host of The View? Is that Monica Crowley on television? Now? Look at that. See, just talking about her. And there she is. She's on uh one of the cable news networks right now. See, it all goes back to synchronicity, like I was saying. 800, hey, you know, if uh, this is a joke. I want to be very clear. If Jelaine Maxwell gets acquitted, maybe they could throw her on there, right? She clearly has uh, a way of winning arguments if she's able to get acquitted. Mark is in Westchester. Hello, Mark. Yes, sir. I'm going to break all protocol with the checklists and say it should be you, Frank. Your common sense you you're not really blood loyal to the blue or the red uh, you, it should be you sir in all due frankness well you're very kind mark thank you i i think i might be better off on a show like uh the mclaughlin group or on uh, uh gutfeld or on um i don't know a show where it's a little bit more freewheeling the thing that's always defined the view is they want women on this show. So I think that would probably eliminate me. I don't think I would be a good fit. 800-848-WABC. Lou in Belmont. What do you think? 
Uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner. You know, it's funny. I was thinking her. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, she's been on the show before and it, it can to have somebody that's a transgendered woman would show that they're very PC. They're very forward thinking. Caitlyn Jenner, Jenner's Republican, but she wasn't a super Trump Republican. I'm going to put that on the list. I actually think that's a great suggestion, Lou. Yeah. Well done. 800-848-9222. If you were casting the view, who would be the conservative woman on the show going forward? 1-800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Pete on Staten Island. Hello, Pete. Hey, Frank. Good evening. I mean, and uh, you stole my thunder. My first choice was Rita Cosby. Yeah, she'd be great. She would be great. And my second choice is not a person that's uh, famous, but a good caller to all the station, meaning to WABC, Jacqueline. That uh, brings out good points, and she would fit right in with them. But they want somebody that's weak with the points. She would be strong, but that's well. I, I also think they probably want. For, I don't know what Jacqueline looks like. I don't know if she's camera ready, but I think they also probably want someone who has some experience on television or in broadcasting. According to this Politico article, sources said the show was eager to recruit young libertarian Cat Timph. But she turned them down because of the show's reputation for treating conservatives poorly and her contract with Fox. Tim declined to comment to Playbook. Others have said that the show has a responsibility to fill the conservative chair with a strong Republican co-host ahead of the midterms if they're going to be a credible political talk show. Are they a credible political talk show? It's news to me. Uh, quote, our plans are on track. I mean, I guess they are. They, they draw an audience, right? Our plans are on track as we continue to look for the right person to join our panel of smart, dynamic women. We look forward to welcoming guest co-hosts for return appearances and introducing new names into the mix in the new year. You know who'd be terrific? I'm going to put this down. And I, I don't think they would ever hire her because I think she'd be way too strong. But she's smart. She's articulate. She's She's beautiful. Betsy McCoy. Betsy McCoy would be phenomenal on that show. And I bet you she would do it. I bet you she would. 800-848-WABC. What do you think? Uh, Let me say hello to Ed in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hello, Ed. Hi, Frank. You would know more about this person than I would, but how about Susan Molinari? You know, Susan, obviously, you know, she has a lot of experience in media. She went to work for CBS News after leaving Congress. I don't think that would fit the bill of what The View is looking for just because Susan Molinari uh, endorsed Biden and she spoke at the Democratic Convention. So it seems like they want somebody who's not viewed as yet another Biden surrogate that's going to agree with all the other pro-Biden Co-hosts. But it's a good suggestion. I mean, you're thinking out of the box, I think. 800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Ella in Massapequa. Hello, Ella. Hi, Frank. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Um, uh, My suggestion would be Megyn Kelly. I think she could hold her own. I think that's a great suggestion, 
actually. I think, you know, I, in fact, I meant, I'm going to put that one down here. I had meant to include her on my list. That is a great suggestion. And I think she, she would hold her own with those, uh, those women. Uh, great suggestion, Ella. Thank you. 800-848-9222. Mary Beth is in Huntington. Hello, Mary Beth. Good morning. I was thinking of Megan Kelly, too. However, I'm really thinking of someone I don't want WABC to lose, but she'd be great. Lydia Serrani. Well, I'd make mincemeat out of joy. <laughs> you know, she's tough. Believe me, I've seen I've seen Lydia in action and uh, I don't want to get on her bad side. I think uh, I think Lydia would be a fine choice. It would be very interesting to see if. Uh, yeah, but you're right. I don't think the radio station would want to lose her anytime soon. So maybe we won't include her on our suggestion to Brian. But you're right. She'd be somebody. She's as good as some of the people they're trying out there. She's great. And you know who else? But, I mean, this woman doesn't need the job. But um, Margot Katsimatidis. Oh, Margot would be. She's so smart. In one sentence, one short sentence, she hits the mark. You know, I don't think Margot would do it. You know why? Because Margot... Um, d- doesn't suffer fools easily, right? I've seen Margot's face when somebody starts spewing nonsense and her face gives it all away. And so I don't think she would ever subject herself to an hour of Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg nance- uh, ranting about nonsense. But I agree with you. Well, Margot's terrific. I love her. How about the daughter? How about the daughter? Well, you know what? That's a good suggestion. Andrea... She would be very, very good. Uh, obviously, she's very, uh, very beautiful, and I think she's been a very articulate spokesperson for conservative causes. That's a that's a good one. I'm going to put that one down. Uh, Andrea Katsimatidis, that is a good one. 800-848-9222. We'll take uh, some more of your suggestions in just a minute. And uh, we got a lot of other stuff coming your way. Gerald Salente, we'll check in with him at 3.30. We'll go through the mail. And we will uh, go through, we have a little alien news, we'll go through some of the latest in terms of alien news, but wherever you fall on the gender spectrum, male, female, non-binary, whatever, wherever you fall on the political spectrum, conservative, liberal, non-political, whatever, you have to recognize the fact that inflation is rampant. And the best way to break the back of inflation is with precious metals, gold, silver, and other precious metals. That's historically been true. And it is something that is not changing anytime soon. Look at the price of gold over the past three years, and you look at what's happening with inflation now and the direction we're going now. What does that mean for you? It means if you have an existing retirement account, think about rolling it into a gold or a silver IRA. And if you do that, you should think about doing it with legacy precious metals. Gold really should be a part of every wise investor's portfolio, and Legacy is the company you can trust because they give you unbiased information based on your individual situation. Contact Legacy Precious Metals today. You can call 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. Or you can go to the website LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. If you choose to go to the website, There's a whole bunch of information you can request for free. It's going to ask you where you heard about it. Say you heard it from me, Frank Morano, LegacyPMInvestments.com. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. (laughs) 
This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano, 800-848-9222. We're going to go through the mail in just a second. If you have any interesting mail to send us, uh, you can do so frank.morano at wabcradio.com. But first, we are going through who should be the new conservative woman on The View. This is the list we have thus far. Rita Cosby, Debbie Schlussel, Monica Crowley, Ann Coulter, Babe Buchanan. You know what? I am going to cross off Babe Buchanan. I hate to do it, but she is a little too old for for the – I mean, even – she. if there was a senior version of The View, maybe she'd be good for that. I hate to say anybody's too old, but come on. You know they're not going to pick Babe Buchanan. They want someone younger. They do. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner, Betsy McCoy, Megyn Kelly, Lydia Serrani, and Andrea Katsimatidis. What other suggestions do you have? 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Carmine on Long Island. Hello there, Carmine. Hey, Frank. Uh, my suggestion is Kennedy. Kennedy from Fox News, uh, formerly of MTV. Yes. You know what? That is a good yes. one. She has kind of like a cat timp type vibe. She's uh, That's a good one, actually. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to put that on the list. Good stuff, Carmine. Thank you. You're welcome. You cry less than the Carmine that I'm familiar with on a, on a regular basis. That's for sure. <laughs> Presumably you cry less. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Keith is in Manhattan. Hello, Keith. Hey, Frank. Um, before I give you the best choice for the view, uh, thank you for your email today. Rouse Charity, I think pancreatic cancer. I'll be one of the uh, buyers of your five seats available as long as you're there to dine with us. And for the view, I mean, this woman has everything. Former Democrat, now Republican, beautiful, intelligent, gay, Tammy Bruce. She is something else well you know what did she I, i'm gonna put her down i think that might be good but did she question the 2020 election or anything like that that i don't know well okay well i'll put her down let them research that we don't have to do their dirty work thank you very much i just got an sms text message here and you can sms text message me as well at 8168 morano um merrill says both monica and rita are too pretty and intelligent for the funny-looking regulars that get away with being wacky. They wouldn't have it. But I think they want someone pretty, though. I really do. Uh, I, I don't think they want somebody that, um, I don't know, that's weird-looking, uh, for lack of a better description. No Rita would be perfect. She would be good, right? She would be good. Absolutely. And, you know, and again, like I said, Rita, you see how she gets along with everybody. You know, That's why she would be good. Yeah, she's like the nicest person I've ever met. She really is. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to say she's nice. She's nice. She's very nice. She's very nice. Very nice. Very smart. And uh, and again, she's uh, very opinionated from time to time. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Nick is in Weehawken. Hello, Nick. Hey. Uh, Barry Weiss, I was thinking, would she fit? Because she's still a Democrat, but she's kind of come around seen the kind of insane left well i mean i know, don't think so i mean I, again i um i, I mentioned barry barry weiss was one of the people they talked about in this politico article they don't view her as republican or conservative enough because she's a self-identified cons- uh, liberal who didn't vote for trump i think they want someone who trump supporters will view as one of their own and uh, barry weiss who calls herself a liberal and who you know didn't vote for trump i, I don't think she would exactly fit the bill i'm not going to put her 
on the list. 800-848-WABC. Joe is in Bayside. Hello, Joe. How you doing, Frank? Good. Frank, I'm thinking of Candace Owen. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Candace Owens is certainly, um, she would certainly spar with those other women. And I think the fact that she was is black is a point in her favor because they do seem to want to promote diversity. But as you might have heard yesterday in the audio that we played and uh, her response to it, Donald Trump is now too liberal for Candace Owens because Donald Trump is saying that people should get vaccinated and get boosted. Candace Owens is calling the vaccine pure evil. I guarantee you Candace Owens has questioned the result of the 2020 election. And I guarantee you Candace Owens has defended the January 6th rioters. 800-848-WABC. So I don't, I'm not going to put her on the list because she's too far out there based on the, the list of criteria that I just outlined. 800-848-9222. Gina is in Bayside. Hello, Gina. Hi, Frank. Daddy Frank, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> uh, two people that uh, I'd like on the list would be, um, I'm half sleeping, Juliet and uh, Kathy Lee Gifford. Well, I, I see, I think Kathy Lee, is she still on um, NBC? I don't know if she's still on the no, Later I Today Show. No, I just put on the radio. She was re- she's very conservative. And yeah, no, very... no, I agree with you, but I didn't know if she oh, was okay. on NBC News as part of Later no, Today. She... she was on with Hoda for a while. I didn't know if she yeah. was still on there or not. But that's good. Kathy Lee is, I think, she's a perfect not. choice. I don't think Juliet would be a good choice because Juliet is, is anti-Trump. So I don't think they would want – I think they want somebody that would appeal to Trump supporters rather than be like Anna Navarro and just, and just agree with everybody else that's anti-Trump. So I don't see, I don't see that happening. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. In the meantime, uh, there is a whole lot of correspondence to go through as we do each and every Tuesday. Let us have a look at what's in the mail. This comes to us uh, from the great state of New Jersey, Spring Lake, New Jersey. Susan, it's an envelope and then it's a gift wrap uh, thing for Carmine. It's addressed to Carmine. I'm not going to open it since it's for him. I'm going to put the gift wrap portion aside, but I am going to open up this envelope from Susan. And she spent, by the way, $4.30 on postage. Very, very nice of her. Let's see what this says. Uh, just a little note is the outside. Frank, wishing you, Rachel and Carmine, a blessed Christmas and wonderful new year. Love your show totally. A Morano fan from Susan Carr. That's awfully nice. Now, this is a giant box. Thank you, Carmine. See, you got a gift here. I got a. First of all, that was not Carmine's cry. I know my son's cry. That was not it. Uh, he sounds much more distressed when he's crying. This, somebody sent a box here. This is also from New Jersey, Vernon, New Jersey. This was $9.30 worth of postage. It's a box here. So I'm opening this. With my knife here. Oh, it's an Amazon Prime box. Wow, what is this? This is cool. 
Uh, this might be something I have to send a thank you note for. So let me open this is this is very tightly wrapped here. Let's see. Let's open this. This is again. I don't know if this person wants his name mentioned. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Now this is very in depth. All right. Okay. There's an envelope and a book. Let's open the envelope first. The envelope. Oh, I see. It looks like this is a book that the author sent me. It's called Angels in the Balance by Michael Gannis. Oh, it's a lengthy note. Um, Okay, it's somebody who wants to appear on the show. Okay. All right, I'll take a look at this book. They went to a lot of trouble to send that postage, so I will absolutely take a look at it. All right, let's go to email. Neil writes, what you should do is get a claw machine... And put it next to your ping pong table. Then when everybody's lined up to play you in ping pong, they could also put money in the machine. You could save up for Little Carmine's college fund. You know, that is actually a great idea. My, I now have my grandmother's old slot machine. My grandmother passed away. And there's a slot machine in my basement now. And it only has tokens in there. So I don't, um, you know, I don't have, I don't have anything... Other, I don't have any money in there, but just tokens. But maybe I should put a claw machine down back there. That's a good idea. This is an email that comes to us from Marsha. Hi, Frank. Hope you enjoyed a beautiful Christmas. Was much delight from your newborn son. Sorry to convey sad news, but I thought you'd be interested in this. We lost a true American hero. Dick Marcinko, creator of SEAL Team 6, passed away in Christmas. No article adequately conveys what Dick did for our country. Even before he created SEAL Team 6, he initiated the counterterrorism effort. He and his team would breach the security of embassies, bases, and so forth, exposing our security vulnerabilities. The aim, of course was to make us more secure. He deserved far more praise and appreciation than he received. Wishing you a happy and healthy new year, Best Marsha. You know, she's right. And I'm going to link to the obituary for Richard Marcinko on my Facebook page. You can check it out at facebook.com slash moranofan. It's facebook.com slash moranofan. This is from a listener named Krez. Dear Frank, I was surprised as I listened in San Juan that you didn't mention Puerto Rico which the Congress has continued to disrespect with non-binding self-determination votes. As a thank you, parting gift to honor the service of the de Blasios, I only wish we could lock William and his wife on that Times Square Ferris wheel for 24 hours once his term ends and charge people 10 cents to throw a rotten apple at them because they certainly turned New York City into one. All right. Well, that's kind of mean. All right. This comes to us from Roe. Last night, I listened to your program about parallel universes, etc. And I had been looking for a fur scarf my late husband gave me before he passed, but it was nowhere to be found. I thought about how soft it was and how much I wanted to hold it again. This morning, as I was hanging some coats in the hall closet, I removed a jacket I hadn't worn in a while. And sure enough, there was my beautiful fur scarf. Wow! Unbelievable, Ro. Well, that is nice. I'm happy to hear that. I had a similar experience yesterday. And I don't know if it's actually 
you know, uh, reality shifting or time shifting or parallel universes or just something. I've always believed in the law of attraction, that the thoughts that you put out there, whatever those thoughts are, they really do attract whatever it is you're thinking. And that's what a friend of mine was looking for a job recently, and she was getting very down on herself. And I said, you got to it's not productive to be that negative. And I really do believe that. I really believe that so much of what we think and put out there in the world, either intentionally or unintentionally, it does come back to us in spades. Uh, this is an email from Ellen. Hi, Frank. What do you think of saying some kind of a catchy sign-off each night as you end your show? When you were doing the 5 o'clock news, it was fine to have nothing because you always said, stay tuned for the news. But now at 5 o'clock, you just say, Frank Morano, good day, or something like that. I think you could use something pithy, something better, just like Bill Butel had, hoping your news is good news, or maybe just say the words goodbye or good day in some signature way, not unlike what Paul Harvey did. Give it some thought if you want to. Well, for starters, what I did when I was hosting the 5 o'clock news, I would say to be continued. That was the phrase at the end of the 5 o'clock now, hour now. And I'm a little perplexed by your email, Ellen, because in one sentence, you just say... Frank Morano, good day, that you, you quote me accurately as saying what I say, Frank Morano, good day. But then you say, do something like what Paul Harvey did, where he said, good day. Do you, I mean, you got to see, Ellen, and I appreciate the suggestion and the attention that you're paying here. You've got to see the irony in saying, oh, you're just saying good day, when in actuality, you should be saying something like what Paul Harvey did. Paul Harvey, good day. I mean, that's a little that's a little contradictory there, Ellen. Now, I do say Frank Morano good day. And the reason I say it is a tribute to the great Paul Harvey, who was so great on this station for so many years. And I'll never forget those updates he would do at 1145 and 830 and various other times. And he would finish by saying Paul Harvey. Good day. That's right. So, uh, I mean, that's uh, I do say it that way as a tribute to Paul Harvey. This is a lengthy email from Elliot. I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's too lengthy, but it is interesting. Hi, Frank. I really enjoy your radio program. You are a natural. I suffer from insomnia, so I end up listening to you, which is a silver lining to an otherwise horrible situation. I was very distressed to hear from Curtis Lewa that your poor, unfortunate wife gave birth to a 13-pound baby. I am happy to learn the baby and mother are fine, but it must have been difficult for your wife and trust that she and the entire family are well. Thank God for Curtis Lewa for passing the news on to your listeners. Um, <laughs> now, again, I've said this before. Curtis said the baby was 16 pounds on the air. The baby was not 16 pounds. The baby was 6 pounds, 2 ounces. Not not 16 pounds and not 13 pounds. He's still not 13 pounds. We took him to the pediatrician last week. He was 8 pounds and I think 4 ounces. That's what he's up to. Uh, this is an email from Mark. Uh, congratulations on your newborn baby. I never got the free hat from 8 months ago. I love your show. Just curious, what is your favorite cigars? Also, is your wife using softener? I think you should use softener for your baby's clothing, baby's blankets. I always had softener in my laundry my whole life. Now, we no, we're not currently using fabric softener because any we're using this this fragrance-free, allergy-free detergent on all of our clothes. Because I hold the baby a lot. 
Rachel holds the baby a lot, and obviously we got the baby's clothes, and we want to do his clothes with our clothes once in a while. So we're using this special hypoallergenic baby uh, detergent. Also, we are, I have alerted the authorities about your hat, Mark. Apparently, one of the people that was in charge of sending hats out no longer works here. So we are cracking down on on the hats situation. Um, Keith writes, how many seats did you win at the silent auction? Maybe auction the seats to dine with you for a charity promoted on your show uh, for Keith the Cabin. This talks about this Rayo's table that I won. Well, Keith, I think that you're not understanding the fact that I'm now out an enormous amount of money that I can't really afford to be out. Now, I don't want to tell you exactly how much money I spent on this Rayo's table, which does not even include food. It just includes the reservation. Because my mom might be listening and my wife might be listening, and I cannot deal with the level of disapproval that I would be greeted with by them if I told you how much money I spent. But I would be more interested in auctioning off this reservation to someone and getting my money back. So... I don't know. Maybe I could sell the six tickets, but I'm not. I, again, I love charity. I raise a lot of money for charity. I donate a lot of money to charity, but I'm not going to donate. I'm not going to auction this table off for charity because then I'm still out an enormous amount of money. It doesn't, you know, doesn't do it. Maybe we'll, we'll auction off a dinner with Frank and maybe I'll get another celebrity guest to join me as well. I don't know. Maybe um, maybe Curtis, right? Although Curtis is so accessible, maybe he's overexposed. Maybe Arthur Idala. Maybe Dominic Carter. See, Dominic is good because he's not somebody that's always out there. And maybe it's somebody that uh, people would want to have dinner with. I don't know. Maybe Johnny Russo. Maybe get him to do it. He's interesting. All right. I'm going to give this some thought. This has some potential. But then I'm still not sure how best to auction it off if it's on... Uh, it's on eBay or some other form. So, yeah, maybe Frank Morano, Johnny Russo, and I don't know. Maybe John Katsimatidis. Maybe he would do it. I'll see. I don't know. I, let me think on that, Keith. But, but no, I want to be very clear that as charitable as I am, and I am quite charitable, we're not auctioning off this table for charity because the money that I spent on it is already going to charity. The key is how do I get that money back? That's the key. All right, meantime, so that concludes today's correspondence. If you want to email me and potentially have your letter read next week, you can email me at frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. In the meantime... I want to encourage you to take a trip over to GetTheTea.com. GetTheTea.com and where you will be able to purchase Life Change Tea. Life Change Tea is a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and works to get things moving. Stress can wreak havoc on our digestive system. And if you're feeling stopped up and bloated, that's not good. Life Change Tea is all natural and non-GMO. One package will last you a whole month. Life Change Tea is only available by logging on to the website, getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. Use the promo code FRANK for free shipping. Promo code FRANK. It's time to feel relief. And while you're there, you can check out all the other great products designed for your optimum health. Don't miss out. Life Change Tea at getthetea.com. That is the tea 
that makes you go. 800-848-WABC. Let me squeeze in one or two more quick calls here on the uh, the view front, and then we'll move on to some other areas. Ben is calling all the way from Los Angeles. Hello, Ben. Yes, uh, good morning. And I'd like to say all the women mentioned were good, and plus uh, Caitlyn Jenner would be good. However, one stands out, Debbie Slushel, and the reason is all those other people – they would be mean and harsh, too. It would turn ugly, as always. And Debbie, she's a little more fun and gigglier. She's been on Howard Stern. He put her through the ringer. She does great. And I think they would take it to a point where she'd get her point across, but not get to that ugly point. I agree and with she- you, actually. And, again, she was one of the ones that I mentioned. So, I mean, there's a reason I have her on the show. I think she'd be very good. Yeah, and she's also just sharp as a whip. Personally, I think Candace Owen would be the best. She is fantastic. She's, I, I think, I think she's, she's way too uh, conservative for them to ever consider her. I just got an email here from uh, J.E. Lawrence. He sent me a lengthy list of women. And you know who's on this list that I think would work? And he sent me some people that are actually that have already been auditioned for The View. But who's on this list who I think would be great is... Um, Stacy Dash, I think she would be very good. And uh, who else? There was one other person that caught my attention, who I thought would be would be very interesting. Susanna Martinez, potentially the former governor of New Mexico. I th- I could see her doing very well. And uh, yeah, the rest are other people that are I think too conservative for the View or who they've already auditioned. And who may who knows? Maybe one of them would be picked. I don't know. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let me say hello to John in Brooklyn. Hello, John. Hi, Frank. Great talking to you again as always. Likewise. How are you feeling, John? Okay. It's just um I feel at at, at worst like a mild cold and, and just to clue in the uh, listeners, as I, as I was telling Frank privately by email, unfortunately, I tested positive for COVID last week, but yeah, uh, well, I'm hanging in there. I'm glad you're surviving. I am. Anyway, here's one name people haven't mentioned yet. I'm surprised. And uh, I, I'm thinking of her because not only would she, she be very bright, but she would be head and shoulders above, physically speaking, most of the others on The View, and that's Laura Ingram. Well, I think Laura would be great. Uh, she certainly she's been on that show before, and she certainly holds her own. I think um, you know the fact that she was uh, you know she's been such a uh, uh, collaborator, you know, and the text messages were read uh, to Mark Meadows on the January sixth incident. I think that would probably eliminate her based on the criteria that they've laid out. But who knows? She'd certainly do well. Thank you, John. I hope you uh, continue in your convalescence. Craig is in Connecticut. Hello, Craig. Hey, great show. Didn't McCain leave because she was pregnant? Um, I don't know, but apparently there were all sorts of reports that she was bullied and so forth. Okay. How about Ivanka Trump? You know, that's a great suggestion. And I realize that it might strike some people as counterintuitive, but Ivanka Trump is not that pro-Trump as a Republican. She's back, very moderate. That is actually a great she's idea. She's pretty, she's smart, and she would 
beat the crap out of those girls. I'd just put her on the list right behind Kathy Lee Gifford. I think that would be a fine choice, actually. All right. We'll move on to some other issues and uh, we'll revisit some calls on other subjects at 800-848-9222. Gerald Salente joining me at 3.30 to find out what trends you can count on for the year 2022. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. Let's go to commercial. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. have all the luck. I'll tell you, I feel awfully lucky to be able to host this radio program. A couple of quick news items on the alien front. UFO sightings. You know, we brought you the story a week or so ago about how they were declining here in this country. But UFO sightings are up in, of all places, Northern Ireland. Yes, that's right. For whatever reason, police received eight unexplained sightings in the year 2021, including white lights and strange images on CCTV. But from mysterious disks over Slemish Mountain in um, Northern Ireland to strange images, unexplained sightings have increased in Northern Ireland again last year. So, so far, police received eight sightings. During 2021, that is an increase from six reports in 2020 and four in 2019. These included a report of a spaceship and flashing lights in the Downpatrick area on January 17th. In May, police received two sighting reports, one of white lights after a helicopter in the uh, in the area and an odd disk seen in the sky in the Slemish area. So there you have it. Northern Ireland fast becoming a UFO hub. I don't know why that is. I don't know if if aliens are visiting more or if that's a reflection of people paying more attention to the night sky. But whatever the case may be, it certainly is interesting. I'll tell you what I also find quite interesting, and I'm hoping to uh, reconnect with Dr. Sky on this subject next week. The launch of this James Webb telescope. So the James Webb telescope successfully deployed their antenna and it'll eventually beam cosmic images to Earth. So this this telescope successfully deployed a day after uh, it's the antenna, I should say, successfully deployed just one day after its Christmas launch into space. So this space telescope unfolded what scientists call a gimbaled antenna assembly that carries the high-rate data dish responsible for beaming the telescope's observations of the early universe back to Earth. So this launched Saturday, the, the telescope launched on Saturday atop a rocket 
that lifted off from French Guyana. So I think this is really cool. This is a $10 billion space telescope. It's designed to study the earliest stars in the universe and other cosmic mysteries. It's the largest and most powerful telescope ever launched into space. So the antenna deployment was the latest in a month-long series of steps to prime the space telescope for its deep space observing mission. So this James Webb telescope is currently on a 29-day journey to a stable point in space, which is nearly 1 million miles from Earth. And it's from there that the infrared space telescope will observe the universe. Really, really cool stuff. Really cool stuff as far as I'm concerned. You know, um, I'm going to, well, maybe we'll take your predictions in the 4 o'clock hour of what you think is going to happen in the year 2022. But I will say it's pretty clear that 2021 has been probably the biggest year in space travel and space exploration since 1969. I don't think you can dispute that. So where are we going in 2022? Are we going to outdo ourselves again? Is this going to be the beginning of a new era of space exploration as 1969 was? Or are we going to sort of rest on our laurels when it comes to space exploration? I think it's the former. We'll see. 800-848-WABC. You can find me on Twitter at Frank Morano. That's Frank M-O-R-A-N-O. Or on Twitter at Frank, uh, excuse me, or on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash Fan. That's Facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan. All right. Um, you know, it's funny. That segment that we did yesterday with um, the woman talking about parallel worlds, Cynthia uh, Sue Fulton, I found that so interesting. And I thought uh, I've been thinking about I, I've been thinking about it ever since. Uh, Cynthia Sue Larson, excuse me. And again, you could check out her website uh, and learn more about her writings. And I'm going to have her back. She's really good. The website is realityshifters.com. I started, you know when you start a day and it's just not going well? So my day started poorly, right? Nothing terrible happened. No tragedies. But it's just, you know when you have one series of minor inconveniences after another or just things just don't break your way. You expect answer one and you get answer two. You know, you hope for answer A, you get answer B. It's just, it was like minor inconvenience after minor inconvenience. And just nothing was going on. I was just in the mood to have like a three-year-old temper tantrum, right? No, nothing bad happening in the grand scheme of things. Just a bunch of annoying things happening. So I said, let me try this strategy that Cynthia suggested. And I went into a separate corner room and I closed my eyes and I meditated and I said, no, this day is not going poorly. The day is going really well and it's going to get even better. Wouldn't you know it? I'm not joking. Less than an hour after I kept repeating that to myself mentally, the whole day turned around. Got a visit from uh, two very good friends, Bridget and Robert Guzzi. They brought wine and bourbon and baby gifts. And um, we had a delightful conversation. And the whole saw the, the finale of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which was great. The whole rest of my day was wonderful. 
So give that a try, whatever doesn't work for you. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population, get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. So, when I plan the show out, right, I have sort of a rough road map of where I expect everything to go, right? I mean, and you deviate from it, and I frequently do deviate from it, but I kind of earmark, all right, around here, I'm going to talk about that. Around there, I'm going to do this. Around there, I'm going to talk about this. And so this, to me, this next 10 minutes was the big question mark for me. Because when I talk with Gerald Salente, a man who's a brilliant trends forecaster, coming up in about 20 minutes, and I made a list of three possible subjects that we could talk about right now. And I think all three are interesting. But only one really deals with getting feedback from you. And that is where we are now with COVID. Now, at first, I was thinking, all right, I mean, do we? I, I can't talk about COVID anymore. I'm bored to tears, and it becomes the same conversation every day. But we're seeing these updated quarantine guidelines from the CDC, and we're seeing all sorts of um, cases of this Omicron variant being diagnosed. New advisory information about available COVID outpatient therapeutics. We're seeing changing quarantine guidelines going from 10 days to five. Uh, different protocols in terms of people that are boosted, people that are not boosted. And we see that the mayor, the incoming mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, has already decided to cancel the lavish inauguration that he had planned for Saturday in Brooklyn. He's not doing it anymore because he doesn't want people to get sick. And I am still planning this big party on Thursday. I don't know how many people are going to come, 20, 30, 40, 50. I don't know. Um, my cousin, who's coming to the party, she called me on uh, yesterday and she said, hey, what's going on? What what should I bring? What can I wear? Is it still happening? We're seeing everybody come down with COVID. Is your party still happening? Is it going to be canceled? And my reaction was, no, absolutely not. And There's a lot of upcoming events, and my very simple question for you is, what do you think that they should cancel these all? My friend Brendan Lantry just elected to be a uh, civil court judge here in New York City. He's planning this big swearing-in ceremony coming up in a couple of weeks. I call it his judicial bar mitzvah because he's been planning for this moment for the last decade. He's invited all sorts of people. Should he go forward with that? The new borough president in that community, Vito Fasello, who you might have heard on the Cats at Night show last night, he's planning a big uh, swearing-in ceremony at Farrell High School. Should he go forward with that? So my very simple question for you is, and if no one calls to answer it, then I am going to move on to one of these other interesting subjects that I had potentially earmarked for the next few minutes. My very simple question for you is, should large-scale events... Continue. 
stuff like my New Year's Eve Eve party, stuff like Judge Lantry swearing in, stuff like Borough President Fasella swearing in, stuff like Eric Adams swearing in. Should these events continue? 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. I'm going to tell you why my answer was yes. Now, look, you're talking to a guy that just went to a Christmas Eve party the other day that had on Friday that had 47 people. So clearly I'm not exactly staying in a bubble boy type silo. I really do think, to reiterate what I said on Friday's program, that this Omicron variant is a gift from God. I believe that the quicker everybody gets this Omicron variant, particularly if you're vaccinated, especially if you're vaccinated, you're not going to get too sick from it. You're not going to be hospitalized. You're not going to die. And it will give you protection against not only Omicron, but potentially Delta and other variants. Now, I heard Peter Mikolos on with uh, John Katzmatidis last night, and I played the audio of Peter Mikolos from last week, in which he said the fact that Omicron is spreading so quickly could help us achieve herd immunity even faster than we imagined. That's where I think we are. I think we need people interacting with everyone if they're vaccinated, because then you're not going to die and you're not going to get hospitalized. And that will finally put an end to this pandemic. I think the worst thing people can do is sit a home and isolate and not be exposed to anyone. Now, most doctors are not willing to say what I'm going to say. They say that, no, 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 that's, uh, that potentially gives the, the virus room to uh, mutate again. Maybe it does. I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be. That's why I'm posing the question to you. Should large-scale events be canceled? Parties, swearing-in ceremonies, New Year's Eve Eve galas, should they be canceled? 800-848-9222. What do you think? Should they be canceled and why? And my other reason why they shouldn't be canceled in my view is, look, if you're going out right now, you know the risks. You know that Omicron is spreading like wildfire. You know that if you go into a building or gathering with 30, 40, 50 people, chances are somebody's got that Omicron variant. So shouldn't at some point we respect whether individuals want to take precautions for themselves, whether that precaution involves staying home and isolating as opposed to not mingling with everybody, or if it involves using PPE, like uh, masks or gloves or whatever the case may be. Should these events be canceled? Why or why not? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Gerald Salente joining me in about 10 minutes. You can also email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you have iTunes or any other podcast platform. All you have to do is search The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Click the subscribe button and this program will be automatically sent to your phone in its entirety, each and every morning. doesn't get any better than that. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com to email. 
and subscribe to the Other Side of Midnight podcast if you want to, and if you want this program downloaded to your phone each and every day. Let me begin with Dara in Saratoga. Hello, Dara. Hi, Frank. I don't think it's up to me to impose my judgment on anyone or my decision. Although, as someone who um, the Omicron and the COVID virus could be deadly to me with my underlying conditions, my doctor gave me a test. And she said, if you go into a room and you can trust every person in that room with your life, then go in and party hard. Um, And that's the reason why I'm going to take the responsibility for me and isolate and not attend any of these events, because I don't think I could go and enjoy myself and really party the way I should on a New Year's Eve or on on a special occasion and know that everyone around me. I trust them with my life. And I think that that's why a lot of these things should be scaled down because we can only control ourselves. We can't control other people. And other people don't care about others like they do themselves. And so, I mean, I just think that this is like a real telling point of character, really, for every person. Like, do you care about yourself as you would your brother or sister? Um, Would you send your mom or someone you really loved into that room full of virus? I think not. So, but here's where I here's where I and first of all, I agree. You know, everybody should make this choice for themselves as as you have. But here's where I um, I guess I. I, I question your your analysis of scaling down um, inaugurations and parties and so forth. Um, since the Omicron variant so far, even though it's wildly contagious, is since it's only killed two people, one in South Africa and one in Texas, both of whom right. were unvaccinated. Why would why if you are vaccinated, why would that pose a danger to someone? Well, even though I'm vaxxed and boosted, the doctor explained to me that we really don't know as much as we should know about the virus. We don't know how it would react in the body of someone like me. And I just don't want to take the chance. Sure. Well, and I don't don't think you should. If you don't if if you don't want to, I I don't think you should. And I appreciate the call, Dara, and I hope you stay healthy. And I appreciate you calling and your perspective, as always. Again, um, see, the chances of being the, the other day, I think it was Thursday. There were 40,000 people in New York alone that tested positive, 40,000. Now, that doesn't mean there were 40,000 people who were positive. It's probably double that that were positive. They only tested positive 40,000 people. A lot of people could have been asymptomatic or could still be asymptomatic. So out of 40,000, 60 people were hospitalized, maybe 38 died Almost every single one of them, I, in fact, I, the only reason I'm not saying every single one of them is to give myself a little wiggle room, but I think it was every single one of them. Every single one of these people that died is unvaccinated. So if you are vaccinated, I don't believe the Omicron variant poses any threat to you. Maybe you get a sniffle, maybe a sneeze. I don't think it, it's any threat. Again, I'm not a doctor. Consult with your physician before making any decisions. But if what I said is true, and obviously I believe it is because I said it. If what I said is true, why shouldn't all these events continue? Christmas Eve parties, New Year's Eve Eve parties, New Year's Eve in Times Square, Eric Adams swearing in, Brendan Lantry swearing in, Vito Pacella swearing in. I say let everybody go out 
mingle with people, shake hands, hug, kiss on the cheek, as long as you're vaccinated. That's the that's the disclaimer. Get Omicron, get immunity from it, and move on with our lives, just like an old-fashioned kindergarten chicken pox party. 800-848-9222. Joe is in Ron Konkama. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. Um, I agree with you 110%. Uh, people have to live their lives. If we keep on going the way we're going, um, not only with the isolation and people getting depressed from being home and worrying about this thing, we got to live our lives and we got to go back the way we don't were because uh, I don't know about you, but I want to enjoy life. And I am not going to be sitting home the next 10, 15 years worrying if I'm going to get a, a virus that we used to get years ago. We get sick. We you know get stomach issues or whatever, and then we move on. Now we're, we're so coddled, and I don't think they should scale down these events because, again, what's going to be next? Uh, everything's going to be virtual, and it's it's not going to be um, frank. I think the way the world is going right now is horrible. I think we all need to just focus. Do the right thing. If you got to wear a mask, you wear a mask in situations. Or, or if, or if people don't want to come, you know, nobody's forcing anybody to go to anything. Well, also, before I go, I was telling my doctor, and this is another plug for a life change. Uh, get the tea. Um, he was saying uh, implementing a gentle cleanse to your normal diet is actually good during virus times because you're regenerating your system and uh, purifying your system. And he was telling me what I'm doing is actually good during these times because I'm getting rid of all the toxins in my body. Interesting. And and, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. uh, Same thing happened to me that happened to you on Christmas. I didn't have a glass of it. And Christmas Eve, if I told you how much I drank, it was unbelievable. (laughs) And uh, the next day I felt horrible, and then the following day, I did a glass of that life change. See, back on the wagon with that, drinking it every day, and I feel amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great really- stuff. It's great stuff. I appreciate you sharing that. Night. Joe, you too. 800-848-WABC. Should these large-scale events be canceled? I think right now we're in the best of both worlds, if we allow these events to continue. If you want to go, go. If you don't want to go, stay home. If you want to go and wear a mask, then do that. I think that's the best scenario at, in terms of where we are at this point. Tom is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Tom. Yeah, yeah hi, hi, Frank. Uh, I, I, I like to say that you got to live your life. You got to get. You got to get out. Life is short enough without hiding in the uh, in the your your house and peeking out the window and hoping the germs aren't looking back at you. It's it's getting ridiculous. And that's all there is to it. In other words, uh, what are you going to do? Have hot dog wagons all over? That's the only way people are going to go out and enjoy themselves in the well, park. What do you right? mean hot dog Sit wagons? on a park bench. Uh, well, I, you know, uh, again, Tom, I, I don't want to sound, and I appreciate the call and the perspective. Largely, I agree with you. I don't want to sound like people shouldn't be cautious, right? You should use common sense caution. The biggest piece of common sense caution that we've heard from President Biden, from President Trump, from Anthony Fauci, from Jay Bhattacharya, from Mark Siegel on with Rita Cosby last night, from Peter Mikolos on with John Katsimatidis yesterday, is get vaccinated. 
the bottom line is, if you don't want to get hospitalized and you don't want to die, get vaccinated. The threat of Omicron to vaccinated people is minimal. I don't care what cockamamie study is cited by Candace Owens or Robert F. Kennedy Jr. If you don't want to die, you get vaccinated. Uh, If you don't want to get the virus, stay home. If you don't want to get the virus, stay, uh, go out and wear a mask and wear gloves and wear a, wear a, uh, a suit like Dustin Hoffman had an outbreak. God bless you. Whatever you want to do, do. I just think the days of this virus canceling stuff have to be over. They have to be over because I think that is only retarding the progression of herd immunity. Personally, I'm going to ask uh, Gerald Salente about this next. Uh, he is a bright guy and he's a guy who's right more often than he's wrong. And we're going to talk about the trends that he foresees coming up in the future. And we'll see what, uh, you know, what he thinks you should do politically, financially, culturally, technically, etc. Uh, I guarantee you one of the things that he's going to mention is gold because he's mentioned gold Each of the last two years. And last year, I almost bought because, I mean, I had a little gold even before that. But last year, I almost bought uh, because he was so right the previous two years. But I said, ah, how much more can it go up? It shows you what a jerk I was because gold has skyrocketed this year. It has skyrocketed due to one reason, inflation. Inflation is out of control. Inflation is worse than it's ever been. And it's only getting worse. So gold is your hedge against inflation. That's why you should not do what I did last year. And you should listen and invest in gold right now. And you could do it if you have a retirement account. If you have an existing retirement account, 401k, Roth IRA, whatever it is, think about rolling it into a gold or a silver IRA. If you do that, do it with legacy precious metals. Gold really needs to be a part of every wise investor's portfolio. Legacy is the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased information based on your individual situation. If you want some more information, give them a call, 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. 932-0635 or you can visit LegacyPMInvestments.com that's LegacyPMInvestments.com when they ask you where you heard about it be sure you heard about tell you you heard about it from me Frank Moreno Gerald Salanti joins me straight ahead This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. Around this time of year, there's one man that I always turn to, not for my benefit, although truth be told, it is largely for my benefit because I find him largely informative and entertaining, but more so for yours. If you want to know 
What is going to be happening next year when you make your predictions around the office? You want to look like a bright guy. You want to go to the gym and uh, act like you know what you're talking about when it comes to economics, politics, culture, whatever the case may be. Then you really need to turn to Gerald Salente, the founder of the Trends Research Institute, the publisher of the Trends Journal, prognosticator of prognosticator, seer of seers, our favorite madcap prophet, and he's kind enough to to join me on the radio, uh, as he's done, I, I think, for the last decade or so. Gerald, it's great to talk with you again. Oh, thank you, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. I appreciate it. So, Gerald, there's uh, two types of people in our audience. There's the type, the first type who know exactly who you are and have heard our conversations before, and they know your record of accuracy on predicting everything from the price of gold. Boy, do I wish I had listened to you more last year and uh, uh, and everything else. And then there's people that may not know exactly who you are or what you do. Speak to the second group. What exactly is the Trends Research Institute? And when we say you're a trends forecaster, what does that mean? Do you predict the future or something? No one can predict the future. There are too many Wild cards, whether they're man-made or made by nature. Go back to 2000. Who would have ever believed the COVID war and the implications that would have happened? What we do is we look at the current events forming future trends. And we have what we call a global nomic perspective in that we make connections between different fields. So if you're just looking at the economy, well, that's all you're going to be looking at. You have to look at the environment, socioeconomic trends, and we look at over making connections between well over 100 different trend categories. And the other thing is that we're political atheists. We look at things for the way they are, not the way we want them to be. And a lot of people have a problem with that because they believe in a belief system and that closes your mind to other things. So for people that are wondering about your track record over the course of the last 30 years or so that you've been doing this, give folks an idea of some of the predictions that you've had that people were calling you crazy for and now and, and came to fruition. Well, the, the gourmet coffee uh, trend bottled water trend, uh, a term that I coined back in the early 90s, clean food, the panic of 08, the dot-com bust. I took out the domain name, by the way, the panic of 08 in 2007. And you get things wrong because, you know, like, for example, I would have thought the uh, economy would have collapsed in 2012 following the panic of 08. They didn't teach me about zero and negative interest rate policy or a thing called quantitative easing in Economics 101 or graduate school. So, again, you know, there are the wild cards. And so you don't always get it right. But, you know, you look what's going on now. You have me on. Go to every newspaper. Go to every magazine. Go to just about every channel out there other than yours and and a number of others a few others they're saying look what happened back in 2021 how about looking forward think about it where do you learn how to forecast trends can't do it at harvard princeton yale (laughs) can't do it at oxford or cambridge no 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 we'll only teach history courses and you know why they can't teach it because they don't know how and again, my, my track record's there. I have my magazine, The Trends Journal. We've been publishing since 1991. Best-selling book, Trends 2000. Trend tracking, far better than Megatrends, Time Magazine. Uh, 
So they're not doing it because they don't know how to do it. You predicted years ago that populism would be the global game changer. You predicted that before Trump. You predicted that before the Brexit vote. You predicted that before Bolsonaro in Brazil. You predicted that before the left-wing populist Syriza party in uh, Greece. Uh, You predicted that before a uh, comedian became president of Ukraine. Let's start with politically what you see on the horizon for 2022. The smart money at this point has it being domestically a very very good year for Republicans. Do you buy into the conventional wisdom on that one? Yeah, it's going to be a good year for the for the again, I don't call them Republicans or Democrats. Again, being a political atheist, I call them a crime syndicate. I mean, you know, they're too big to fail or you're just a piece of garbage. Uh, well, you know, that guy Saddam Hussein, he has weapons of mass destruction. You know, so anyway, looking at the political parties, there has never been a better time for a new political movement whether in the United States or global, and they're an anti-establishment party. The people are fed up with the parties, and they're only voting for them or in them because they don't have other choices. You're going to start seeing new, beyond populist, new anti-establishment parties starting to pop up. You- As for America, yeah, it's going to go Republican. Again, think about it. Go back go back to when Barack Obama got elected. Oh, it was the biggest news. Matter of fact, I have all the old magazine covers. They even had him looking like George Washington. Oh, it was going to be all different, all so great. Two years later, they lost the majority. And if I then he's campaigning, if Hillary Clinton doesn't win and he's out there campaigning, it's going to ruin my reputation. She <laughs> lost. You, you know, so what I'm saying is the people are disgusted with both parties. Let's talk economy. You called the price of gold. And uh, again, had I listened more to what you were saying a couple of years ago, I'd be a whole lot wealthier than I am these days. This year, I want to ask you about something that is trending in cities like Miami and New York, maybe even around the world. And that's cryptocurrency. Is cryptocurrency here to stay or is it a flash in the pan? It's here to stay until the government kills it. And that's the big one. It's going to keep going. The money, by the way, you have $3 trillion in cryptocurrencies, and a lot of big players are playing it. If that $3 trillion went into precious metals, you would see now gold and silver at much higher prices. And when I say the government could kill it, look what happened in China, where they banned it. Now the United States is the biggest miner of Bitcoin. Can they kill it? You know, once upon a time, there was a guy named Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Bring in your gold. If you don't bring in your gold, you go to jail. That's how quick they could do it. So other than that, I see it going. For me, 2021, excuse me, 2022 is GSB, gold, silver, and Bitcoin. And here's the deal. Crypto, the, the... Precious metals are going to go down a bit when they raise interest rates. But to me, it's going to be temporary because if they keep raising interest rates, you're going to see this economy collapse like we've never seen before. You have your stock markets are are overvalued, the P.E. ratios. You have a handful of stocks that are driving up most of them. So when this thing, when interest rates go up and the cheap money stops flowing in, that's when it goes down and real estate as well. But I don't see a real estate crash like in 2007, 2008 and 2009. 
because there was no subprime mortgages and, and the derivatives game wasn't going on. But watch out for commercial real estate because, oh, remember people were going to go back to work in in following Labor Day in 2020. No, no, no. They're going to go back to work on after Labor Day 2021. It didn't happen. What do you have? Your office occupancy rate in the United States is around 40%. All the businesses that have been hurt, the hospitality sector, the restaurants, travel, tourism. So you're going to t- you're, we're going to see a big hit in commercial real estate. They're artificially propping this thing up. Oh, and by the way, there used to be a thing called trade shows and conventions. I'm not going to go. We're not going. We're afraid we're not going to go. Right, well, so this thing's taking a hit. You know, my friends in uh, Atlantic City, they have been decimated by the decline in trade shows. Uh, that There's no doubt about that. Uh, talking with Gerald Salente, he's been a trends forecaster for over 40 years. You can uh, check out the uh, Trends Research Institute. They are on the cutting edge of a whole lot of trends, culturally, politically, economically, you name it. Also on the economic front, you have predicted, you have forecast something called dragflation for 2022. I think a lot of us have heard the term stagflation, but what do you mean when you say dragflation? The economy is going to go down. It's not going to stagnate. This thing has been artificially propped up. Oh, oh. Once upon a time, there was a guy by the name of Jerome Powell, oh, and the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, who was also with the Fed Bankster gang. Oh, that, that, that inflation, it's only temporary. They were saying that back in December of 2021, 2021. Oh, then it became transitory. What has pumped up this economy, the inflation, oh, it's the supply chain disruptions. Yeah, yeah, to some extent, what's really propped it up is this unprecedented amount of cheap money that they've been pumping into it. So you're going to see inflation keep going up. No, it's not going to go up as sharp as it has been, but it's going to keep going up. Wages are going to keep going up, and the economies are going to start sinking down. It's going to keep sinking down until they end the COVID war. You have also been very, very vocal about where we are in this country and around the world, quite frankly, when it comes to vaccines and vaccine mandates. Is that going to be as much of an issue and as much of a hot button issue in 2022 as it has been in 2021? Well, if the, if the people in, in charge, what they we used to call freedom, is gone now, Constitution doesn't count anymore. Oh, the, the First Amendment, the Bill of Rights, your your right to religious belief, no, that doesn't mean anything. Look at all of the vaccine mandates they are now putting in place. Oh, Goldman Sachs just announced no booster, no, don't come to work. Oh, you can't come there either if you don't have a booster. So, what are the real number of people that have been vaccinated? According to some of the data in the United States, the, the double vaccination rate is, is under 70 percent. OK, so you just lost a third of your population, 70 percent of, of you got lost 30 percent of your customers. Oh, you can't go here if you don't have a vaccination. Oh, in New York now, if you have a phony vaccination card, oh, it's only a year in jail. 
Oh, and by the way, if you do it online and change it like that four years, oh, hey, what happened to that J.P. Morgan Chase in 2019? Oh, they got caught rigging the precious metals market. They only paid a $900 million fine. Nobody goes to jail. But, hey, you got a fake vaccine card. You go to jail. (laughs) All right, we see what's going on. You see how they're destroying businesses in so many different ways. Business is tough, even at the best of times. And now you wiped out a lot of your population. That oh, Oh, and by the way, talking about booster shots, let's go back to December and November 2020. Oh, you know, I'm the guy from Pfizer. My vaccination is 95% effective. Oh, what's the efficacy rate now, according to the Israeli health ministry? 39%. Yeah, that's after the fourth shot, too, right? Uh, We're talking with Gerald Salente. Gerald, let's talk technology. You have been very, very on the money when it comes to communications technology and some of the trends that we've seen in social media and social media technology. Where is that heading for 2022? It's the metaverse. You love it, hate it. It's going to happen. And it's, it's it, you think about it. We went from the industrial age to the information age. And now we're going into, into the into the meta age. When the covid war began, all of a sudden people are working from home. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, online learning. Oh, you mean the education system we have now, the one that was invented by the Prussians, the beginning of the industrial age, that really stinks. We spend all this dough in taxes, and America doesn't even win place or show in our education system. It's antiquated. This online learning, when it gets to the metaverse, and you feel like you're in that classroom, oh, and now you could have the best teachers in that field. Oh, you don't have to have go to a public school where, oh, your teacher passed a state test, and they could teach you. And, oh, and you don't have to learn all the stupid stuff that they want you to learn that you're not really good at learning. So you're going to – oh, and now all the people that can't afford to go to college, oh, and then you're going to see the same things in healthcare. You're going to see huge changes in the metaverse, and it's going to be an on-trend opportunity like we've never seen before. One of the trends that you predicted, which really did surprise me because it's the opposite of where we've been seeing the economy and the labor market go the last 20 years, has been, you've predicted, a comeback of labor unions. Tell me why, and is this going to be public sector labor unions, private sector, or both? Well, it's both. And again, on the public sector, that only happened because of uh, JFK. You know, your public sector teachers, they weren't – you're a taxpayer. You know, you, you, you have no right to, to, to you know, to, to uh, take a, a strike. But anyway, it's going to come back in mostly in the private sector. It's supply and demand. And it, again, it all goes back – This is see, that's what the thing with trend forecasting. All things are connected, like the blood – that unites us all, said Chief Seattle. And so let's go back how all things are connected. The COVID war begins. All of a sudden, businesses close down. People are now staying at home. They're not going to work. And then they're thinking, you know, I really hate my job. I don't want to do this anymore. What am I making, $15 an hour? If I'm doing good? Oh, oh, oh. And then the non-essential business, the essential businesses, 
going back to the cheap money, merger and acquisition activity in 2021 was at an all-time high. Stock buybacks at an all-time high. The bigs getting bigger, so now you're working for the bigs, and what's your chance of advancement to go anywhere in that job? Nowhere. You work for uh, uh, Starbucks, you've been working there for years, a new employee comes in there making almost as much as you. Now Starbucks is unionizing, and that's what they're going to start doing, and it's a supply and demand issue. Kellogg, dear, oh, Kellogg, by the way, the strikers won. They, They had a settlement. It's supply and demand. You have the great resignation, and so you're going to start seeing wages going up. And again, the people, uh, and then you, you start, you put the trends together and making the connections. What I say, people aren't making any dough anymore. There used to be a thing in America called the middle class. Median household income declined in 2020 at, at the fastest and lowest rate ever. Now, what happens? Okay, can't afford to buy a house. Oh, how come? Oh, house, I think the price is right at the top of my head. It's about 350 thousand dollars to buy a house in the United States. Three hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm only making what eighteen, nineteen if I'm doing good twenty dollars an hour? I can't buy a house. Oh yeah, but apartment rentals. Oh, they're doing very well. Oh, and who's buying up all the apartments? Oh, again, the bigs that got bigger like the Blackstones. So the bigs are buying up everything, the middle class is shrinking, and yes you're going to see more and more unionization, and it goes back to the other trend we talked about with new political parties, because the establishment is owned by the bigs. As George Carlin said, it's one big club and you ain't in it. (laughs) Uh, Gerald, uh, let me end with this. One of my favorite things to do with you is because you have such an entertaining, although informed way of complaining about what's the matter with this country, with with, with the world, with politicians, with banksters, you name it. I always like to pin you down to at least one thing that people can be optimistic about in the coming year. What what about it, Gerald? What can we look forward to? What can we be hopeful about? What can we be excited about? It, it's only going to change when the people change. And, and, and that, that, to me, is what has to happen. Look at the style. Uh, you know, when, I used to love to go to places like Marshall's and other places. I, I bought some great stuff there. Now you go there, all they have is athletic wear. Did you ever hear the expression, pigs can't fly? Sure. You been to the airport lately? (laughs) Things are not going to change until the people come to a higher level. And it has to happen. To me, the only way it'll change, one of the ways it'll change is with a renaissance. And art is the way of finding the true meaning of the human spirit. And think about it. The renaissance happened after the Black Plague. We could have a renaissance after the COVID plague. As they said in Italy, alla Romana, alla Antica, in the manner of the Romans and the ancients to describe the quality of their work. And so that's what we need to do. We need to bring back that quality of the American spirit that used to exist. Gerald Salente, it is always a treat talking with you, and I hope people check out the Trends Research Institute. Tell people how they can get a look at the Trends Journal. Just go to trendsjournal.com, trendsjournal.com, guaranteed weekly magazine, the only magazine where you'll read history. 
before it happens. Well, it is always a treat, my friend. I will talk with you. Hopefully not. uh, We'll we'll do it sooner than uh, late next year, but uh, we'll be monitoring all these trend forecasts. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you, and Happy New Year. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, give me a call, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. You're welcome to give me your predictions. Tell me how they compare to Gerald's. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Cash, coal, that's what I need. This is a Matt Blaze selection. Apparently, the song's called I Want to Be Rich. Halloway. Um, all right. Okay. And maybe you should invest in gold if that's the case. 800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Let me say hello to Al calling from the city. Hello, Al. Miss Lorena, how you doing? Excellent guest. Excellent uh, show as usual. Thank you very much. Yeah. You know, the thing with silver and gold is... Uh, they have a ratio, and the ratio is right now about 78, meaning you can get 78 ounces of silver for gold. And so, like, uh, and also the way to keep it is I would say never get involved with uh, funds because you never know where those funds go. But if you actually have possession of it, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, silver is kind of a little bit better than gold in that you can actually own more of it and it has an appreciation possibility. Right now it's like 23. If it goes up to, like, say, 100, you have a very good upside. Whereas if you have gold and it's eighteen hundred dollars and it went up twenty five, you'd have to have a hell of a lot to see that kind of appreciation move. You know, uh, as far as predictions, you know what scares me is I, I've had so many times things just I get an eerie feeling and boy it scares me because I don't you know I'm not even thinking about it, but something says something or to play a number and I've done that and you know. Uh, I know three or four people uh, that had children. I predicted their birthdays months in advance. You know, um, you had your your child uh, was born on Thanksgiving, right? Correct. Yeah, I I, I played this game. You had the thousand dollar question. Right. On October twenty sixth, uh, you had me on, and uh, I, I was doing okay. But then right away, I got the question. What was your wife's name? And I guess I just blew it. But as I'm saying it, unknown to me, it overcame me to say, your wife's going to be born, uh, your, your baby is going to be born on Thanksgiving. And I, then I said it another, a minute later. So if you go back to it, 1026, uh, it's scary. Well, guess what? That happened. Two days ago, a friend of mine, his wife was very, very ill. I'm looking at my watch. It's 418. Guess what? I says, well, he didn't call me, so she's okay. But I had a feeling she passed. Ten minutes later, he texts me. He said she passed away. Oh, boy. Scary. Yes. I went to go play the daily number. It was 418. It came out 488. You know? The one thing has nothing to do with the other. Just one last trend I would say is I think all these lithium battery uh, bikes and stuff like that, you're going to see them everywhere. Lithium planes. To me, like you you saw in the graduate, the guy said plastics. (laughs) Lithium. Lithium That's your prediction. 
Yes, lithium. Listen, take care. Uh, great show as always. All right. Hey, thank you, Al. You know what we'll do? Uh, at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, I'm going to give you 10 minutes to think. And the top of the 4 o'clock hour, I'm going to take your predictions on any subject. You have predictions related to sports, politics, the economy, technology, culture, fashion, relationships, health, whatever. 800-848-9222. We're going to do it at 4 o'clock. You know, I mean, who could have predicted that the uh, no-carb diets were going to be the next big thing? Who would have predicted the explosion of uh, sun-dried tomatoes? Who would have predicted the explosion of pickleball, right? Not me. Who would have predicted the great toilet paper shortage of 2020? Not me. So whatever your prediction is, good, bad, indifferent, 4 o'clock, I want you to call with it. 800-848-WABC. Take 10 minutes to think, and then uh, we will see how you're doing with those predictions. And tomorrow, by the way, I will be doing my annual year-end tradition. And I hate all these year-end shows, the the biggest news stories of 2020. If I ever am hosting a radio show where there's a segment the biggest news stories of 2020, you need to you, you need to call management and have me taken off the air because I have lost it. I've lost it at that point. I can no longer function. You know, it's funny. I worked with a guy here uh, years ago, years ago. I don't want to say who it was, uh, but I worked with a guy here who was a big drinker, right? Shocking that I would hang around with somebody that was a big drinker. So uh, he was telling me, he was a few years older than me, he was telling me that when he was a young radio broadcaster, he was just starting out. Maybe he was a teenager even. He worked with a guy that was a legendary radio newsman. And I'm not going to say his name either. I never worked with that fella, but he's a name that I think many of you in the New York area would probably know. And this guy was such a big drinker, the person my friend worked with. And he said he what he would do, according to my friend, he would hide vodka bottles in the top uh the uh the top area of the toilet in order to keep them cold you know the toilet tank you know the top where there's water and you know you don't do your business there but you 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 know it's water so it could keep things cold and my friend said to me you got to promise me frank as much as you might see me drink alcohol if you ever see me hiding liquor in toilets that's when i'm probably in need of an intervention well, I'll say the same thing to you. If you ever see me doing the top news stories of 2021, then you need to put me out of my misery and have me shot because I have no business being on the radio doing the kind of innovative show that we're we're doing on a regular basis. So what we are doing, the only, as you heard Gerald Salente say just now, the thing that makes this show different than every other show is we look forward, not backwards, forward. What we are doing, because I think it's educational, and I think it is, believe it or not, sort of forward thinking. Tomorrow, this is the only year in review thing that I do. Tomorrow we are going to do the least covered news stories of 2021. This is an annual tradition where I bring to your attention the 10 news stories that I feel have been undercovered by the media. And when I say the media, I mean all the media. 
I don't want, I'm not going to bring you a story that's everywhere, that's ubiquitous on talk radio, Newsmax, OAN, and that you don't hear about on the mainstream news networks. No, I'm talking about stories that you haven't heard about anywhere that you should have. Now, why do I mention this? If you have suggestions for the least covered news stories of the year, email me. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. I'm just about done formulating my list. I've got about five definites and another two probables. So if you have a suggestion for one of the least covered news stories of the year, tomorrow I will read them. Email me. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. That's Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. I'll tell you the most covered story easily this year as well as last year. Got to be COVID. Got to be COVID. So I was listening to Peter Mikolos. He goes on the Cats at Night show all the time, which is a great show. You've got to listen every weeknight, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And I really look forward to hearing Peter Mikolos because he's really informed on this virus and the public health implications about it. And what he said was, and it really struck a chord with me, what he said was that uh, if everyone is going to get Omicron and it appears to be so contagious that everyone is going to get it, the two things that are important for everybody to know are, one, get vaccinated, and two, reduce whatever comorbidities you have if possible. Now, there's one that many of us can reduce relatively easily, not easily, but somewhat easily, obesity. If you are overweight, now is the time, not just for your own vanity, not just for your own long-term health, but because we see what obesity does to this virus. Obese people do not do well. If you're heavy, as I am right now, then you need to call Mitch Suss and the Skinny Center. And I am going to be first online at the Skinny Center in January when it comes time to make good on all those New Year's resolutions. Mitch Suss and the Skinny Center in Westchester County are great. They have comprehensive lab testing, which pinpoints abnormalities in your body chemistry and the reasons that you overeat. Greg Kelly has been working with Mitch Suss. He looks great. So if you're looking to lose some weight, Join me on this weight loss journey. Call the Skinny Center, 914-703-4811. That's 914-703-4811. You can also go to theskinnycenter.com. That's theskinnycenter.com. They have an incredible track record of proven results. So I definitely do suggest that if you're looking to lose some weight as I am, Check out the Skinny Center. By the way, you might be curious, now that we're all making predictions for the new year and so forth, you might be curious how previous predictions have panned out about where we are now. So I came across one article in, believe it or not, the Akron Beacon Journal. And what they did was they looked at predictions about the year 2022 from 100 years ago. And they chronicled the English author W.L. George. And in a full-page article in the New York Herald, he made some pretty interesting predictions. Let's see how many he got right. This is what he said. Here are some of George's prophecies from a century ago as republished in the Akron Beacon Journal. This is what he said. I suspect that commercial flying 
will have become entirely commonplace. The passenger steamer will survive on the coasts, but it will have disappeared on the main routes and will have been replaced by flying convoys, which should cover the distance between London and New York in about 12 hours. He wrote this 100 years ago, and I reiterate. The people of the year 2022 will probably see a wire outlined against the sky. It is practically certain that wireless telegraphy and wireless telephones will have crushed the cable system before the century is done. Coal will not be exhausted, but our reserves will be seriously depleted, and so will those of oil. One of the world dangers a century hence will be a shortage of fuel, but it's likely that by that time a great deal of power will be obtained from tides, from the sun, probably from radium and other forms of radial energy, while it may also be that atomic energy will be harnessed. The movies will be more attractive as long before 2022. They will have been replaced by the kinephone, which now exists only in the laboratory. That is, the figures on the screen will not only move, but they will have their natural colors and speak with ordinary voices. Keep in mind, this was an era of black and white silent films. Many buildings now standing will be preserved. It's conceivable that the Capitol at Washington, many of the universities and churches will be standing 100 years hence and that they will almost unaltered by be preserved by tradition. Naturally, the work of the household, which is being reduced day by day, will be in 2022 a great deal lighter. I believe that most of the cleaning required today in a house will have been done away with. In the first place, through the disappearance of coal in all places where electricity is not made, there will be no more smoke, perhaps not even that of tobacco. I'm going to read like three more of these because to me it's shocking how accurate these were. In the second place, I have a vision of walls, furniture, and hangings made of more or less compressed paper mache bound with brass or taping along the edges. Thus, instead of scrubbing its floors, the year 2022 will unscrew the brass edges or unstitch the tapes and peel off the dirty surface of the floor or curtains. The child is likely to be taken over by the state, not only schooled, but fed and clad, and at the end of its training placed in a post suitable to its abilities. And then last one I'll mention, marriage will still exist much as it is today, for mankind has an inveterate taste for the institution, but divorce will probably be as easy everywhere as it is in Nevada. I'm going to link to this article if you want to read it. There's some other good ones. Facebook.com slash MoranoFan. That's Facebook.com slash MoranoFan. Your predictions for 2022. I want to hear them. Give them to me. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Until next hour, remember, your influence counts, so use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Midnight. 
I'm Frank Morano. One of my favorite things to do is think about the future. I love science fiction movies that show time travel or show some version of the future, whether it's a utopia like Star Trek or a dystopia like Mad Max. I just love it. I just love, love, love it. It gets my creative juices flowing. And it's impossible to know, as you heard from Gerald Salente in the 3 o'clock hour, it's impossible to know what the future will hold. But we can certainly guess, can't we? So what I want you to do right now is take any category you want, sports, business, politics, economy, relationships, public health, radio, television, food, fitness, you name it, and tell me what your predictions are for the year 2022. Now, if you want, you could tell us how you arrived at this prediction. You could say, well... I'm predicting I'm predicting that 2022 is the year of the coconut because uh, there's a shortage of uh, oranges and people are going to be replacing what they use oranges for. They're going to use coconut for whatever I'm saying. You can give me an explanation, but you don't have to. You can give me that. You could say, hey, I think the um, you know, the Green Bay Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. You know, you don't have to say because Aaron Rodgers is such a good quarterback. You can say whatever you want. You could say whatever you like, whatever you're predicting. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222-1234567. Seven open lines for you futurists. That is indeed. What do you see 2022 bringing us? That is the question. A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born... That audio, by the way, which we play uh, just about every day, that is from the Star Trek episode City on the Edge of Forever. It's a great episode. A lot of people believe it's the best episode of the entire series. Some people even believe it's the best episode of any of the, I forget what we're up to, six or seven Star Trek series. And basically, that entity that you just heard, the Guardian of Forever, can take you to any place in time. Uh, with not just Earth's history, but other planets' history. And you can jump through this thing and end up in the 21st century, the 1930s, whatever. It's really kind of a cool thing. And it's neat the way they did it, especially given the limitations of television in the late 1960s, to see all these generations passing in front of your eyes. And years from now, you know, they move one of the many monuments they knocked down uh, recently was, I think it was Robert E. Lee in Virginia, but uh, again, take your pick of who they're knocking down in Virginia. And they found a time capsule in this statue or beneath the statue. And it was interesting what they put in there. Well, years from now, maybe 50 years from now, maybe a century from now, I'd like to think that future sociologists will be analyzing these broadcasts for an idea of what we were thinking at this time in our lives. And I'd love it if we could compare, if they can compare our predictions. What do you foresee happening in the year 2022? 1-800-848-9222. Michael is in Virginia. Hello, Michael. Hi, um, Frank. Uh, I predict that uh, in February, um, openthebooks.com, that's a public accounting uh, foundation which uh, has had FOIA requests uh, refused by NIH 
FOIA request for uh, Anthony Fauci's uh, financial disclosure forms. I predict because uh, the courts have said they must turn them over, and since NIH has said there are 11,000 pages in those uh, financial disclosures, I predict that uh, uh, Anthony Fauci will be revealed to be one of the richest men in the world and that his wife, who is the chief uh, bioethics officer at NIH, uh, who has been covering for him all these years, his wife and Fauci will be indicted. Wow, that's quite a bold prediction. If that comes to fruition, Michael, we're going to reach out to you and uh, and and give you some sort of an award or something, and it's going to go beyond a hat. So I, I don't see that happening. Now, uh, my wife works for Open the Books, actually, so uh, I'm familiar with some of the things they've been doing in terms of FOIA requests, but I would be shocked. If uh, if that if an indictment comes to comes to fruition. Now, let me tell you what Nostradamus predicted for the year 2022. This is what Nostradamus Nostradamus predicted. Now, Nostradamus has a uh, pretty good track record. He predicted that inflation and starvation would befall us in 2K22. That's how he wrote it. Writing. So high the price of wheat that man is stirred his fellow man to eat in his despair. An essential human truth is that people get hungry and then they get mean. And uh, so essentially it sounds like he's predicting inflation will cause cannibalism. So there you have it. That's a, a that might be an even bolder prediction than when we heard from Michael there. Give me your prediction. 800-848-9222. Molly is here. Molly, what are, what are you predicting for 2022? Uh, so I need to I need to check your understanding first. Okay. Uh, do you do you are you familiar with like the term body positivity? Uh, I think it means you're supposed to be happy with your body. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Like okay. it's it's the idea that you know like love the body you're in. Uh, you're you're beautiful no matter what you mm-hmm. look like. Um, so I my prediction is that we're we're done with bo- body positivity and we'll move on to body neutrality. Body neutrality. Yeah. So okay. like body positivity is something that's discussed in uh, uh, cultural circles, specifically among, I would say, millennials and Gen Z, um, and it's something that's not agreed upon. And and the general consensus seems to be that, you know, maybe body positivity in of itself is kind of toxic because it's focusing very much on the the outside appearance instead of, you know, really like there. There should be many things that people like about you, not just your your confidence and your your looks, you know. So I, I think that as people come out of the pandemic, they might have a more nuanced idea of how to look at their bodies Maybe instead of building themselves up and, you know, being into how they look, more having a ambivalence towards their body. Okay. It's a tool that gets me around. All right. So replacing body positivity with body neutrality. That's the Molly prediction. Also right. the balaclava. What is the balaclava? What's that? The balaclava is, you know, the Russian ladies wear their, their like, knit hoods. So that's going to be a fashion trend? Yes. The ball of clava. Balaclava. Balaclava. It's already a trend. Oh, it is? Okay. You All can, right. you can you get it. your knit balaclava on Etsy and 
See, I've never even heard of this. It goes to show you how trendy I am. All right. So we have um, Michael predicting a uh, an indictment for Anthony Fauci. We have Molly predicting the demise of body positivity and replacement with body neutrality. We have Molly further predicting the furtherance of the trend of balaclava. Uh, 800-848-9222. Eight open lines if you want to jump on board. Uh, but now is the time to get through with your prediction. Let me get back to some of these Nostradamus predictions because I've always been interested in Nostradamus. So Nostradamus wrote the moon and a lot of people are predicting, are saying, are interpreting this as a prediction for artificial intelligence, AI. Nostradamus wrote the moon in the full of night over the high mountain, the new sage with a lone brain sees it. By his disciples invited to be immortal, eyes to the south, hands and bosoms, bodies in the fire. You know, that is a little vague. I mean, that can be interpreted any number of ways. So uh, I don't know. They're saying that Nostradamus even predicted cryptocurrency. So, you know, what? I'm going to have to get a Nostradamus researcher on this show and maybe we can... um, Get her interpretation of some of these other things that Nostradamus has prediction. All right. Uh, whatever category you want to make a prediction in, now's the time. 800-848-9222. Kathy in Brooklyn, what do you see on the horizon for 2022? I see a mass exodus out of New York City. I see a lot of people that have their children in public schools. They're leaving and... Lots of retirees are leaving New York City. Small businesses are going to close up, and New York City is going to be in bad shape. Well, that's awfully pessimistic, uh, Kathy. I hope you're wrong. And you know what? I do not share your prediction. I actually think that New York is going to make a pretty remarkable comeback. I think the end of the pandemic. Here's my big prediction. My big prediction is finally what we've been hearing about for two years. The pandemic is over. And my prediction is the end of the pandemic, coupled with a mayor who is serious about fighting crime will lead to a remarkable New York City comeback. And I think New York City is going to thrive more in the next year in terms of uh, the economy, in terms of transportation, in terms of being sort of a, a global player again, more in the next year than it has in the previous decade. But doesn't mean I'm right. Also, while I'm making predictions, I am going to go ahead and predict. And look. Do I have a rooting interest in this? Absolutely. I am going to go ahead and predict that uh, the New York Mets, and again, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. The New York Mets will make the playoffs this year for the first time in far too long. That's my prediction. Additionally, uh, you might remember the op-ed that I wrote in City and State in which I suggested certain Republicans for the Adams administration, I am going to go ahead and predict that while Jimmy Otto has not gotten a deputy mayor position in the Adams administration, I am going to predict that he gets a leading position in the Adams administration. That's my prediction. Let me hear yours. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Here's one prediction that I feel very good about. If you 
order Life Change Tea from GetTheTea.com, you will feel better. You will have more energy. You will be able to get everything moving again in terms of your peristalsis. You will get all the junk that's on your insides out of it. You heard what Joe from Ronkonkoma has been saying. This gives you an energy boost. They call it the tea that makes you go for two reasons. One, it makes you go to the bathroom. Two, it makes you go in terms of energy. So if that's appealing to you, if you're constipated, if you're feeling bloated, if you're feeling logy, Life Change Tea is for you. It's all natural, non-GMO, one package will last you an entire month. Life Change Tea is only available by logging on to the website, getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. You can use the promo code FRANK for free shipping. That's promo code FRANK. While you're there, you can check out all the other great products designed for your optimum health. Don't miss out. Life Change Tea at getthetea.com. It is the tea that makes you go. And as I said, they have a ton of other great products there. All you have to do is go to getthetea.com and use the promo code Frank. Now, back to the business at hand of your predictions. Right now, our telephone talent coordinator, Ryan, is actually building a ship in a bottle. That's how bored he is. So give him a call. Give him something to occupy his fingers and his time and give me your prediction. I'd love something out of the box. I'd love something a little bit different. I'd love something sort of like Michael in Virginia Beach. He was bold. Now, I don't agree with him, but I don't have to. That That is a verifiable prediction. We're going to be able to come back here a year from now and see, was Molly right about uh, Balclava? Was Michael right about the Fauci indictment? Was I right about the New York Metropolitans? 800-848-WABC. Warren is in Elmont. Warren, give me your predictions for 2022. I feel when the uh, Republicans take the House... Joe Biden is going to step down. So He's not tough enough to uh, take the abuse Trump took. So um, I think they're, so, they're going to bring up a lot of charges against the border, his uh, kind of extra earning money on the side. The right. So, but so, Warren, um, if the Republicans take over Congress, they wouldn't take office until January of 2023. You still think that yes, Biden would he'll quit before? He'll okay, quit interesting. Before. All right, so that's a verifiable prediction. We'll write it down and we will compare it a year from yeah. now and see how you did. What is your prediction? Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two. And I know I sort of did this with the Mets, but the danger that you have to look out for is disguising your political ideology as a prediction. I don't want you to. Uh, tell tell me that uh, whatever political outcome you hope for is what's going to happen. I want you to give me an analytical prediction on anything. Food. What's the next big food? Uh, culture. Technology. You name it. 800-848-9222. Steve is in Bethpage. What do you got for us, Steve? Hi. Uh, good morning. Uh, I believe that Frankie Russo will return to the airwaves at WABC on Saturday and Sunday nights. Saturday and Sunday night. All right. Well, that's a pretty bold prediction. We'll be able to see that a year from now, whether you're right or whether you're wrong. Uh, so you name it. Now's your time to be heard. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. One thing that uh, I do think is going to be interesting 
is, and I, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I do see a surge in divorces in 2022. And they predicted that during um, COVID, during the pandemic and the lockdown, and it really didn't happen, at least not in the United States. It did happen in China and it happened in Italy to some extent. We didn't see that kind of surge in America. I think you're going to see a lot of people taking account of their lives and saying, is this kind of where I am in life? Let me try and do something else here. And that is going to leave a lot of people questioning their own relationships. Tell me your predictions. 800-848-9222. What about you, Matt Blaze? you have anything? I have nothing. <laughs> nothing. Not for the whole... Uh... Not for the whole year. Okay, fair enough. Now, um, uh, the other thing that I'm going to mention is that I think will come to fruition is I see the um, explosion of NFTs, you know, getting a little bit of a blowback. So, you know how we've everything that we see now is NFT, NFT, NFT. There's even a U.S. Senate candidate that's selling NFTs, right? Uh, non-fungible tokens. I think rather than what all the experts are predicting, I think you're going to see a little bit of a uh, backlash. I think that is going to slow down and a lot of people are going to be saying, well, wait a minute, do I really want to be playing, paying $150,000 for a piece of digital art? I see that going the other, the other way. So uh, tell me yours, 800-848-9222, 1-800-848-WABC. Let's check in over at our busy phones. Well, not, even the crickets don't have predictions. All right, we're, uh, we will, uh, in a little while, we're going to do the $1,000 minute as well. Additionally, if you want to email me your predictions, you can email me at frank.morano at wabcradio.com. J.E. Lawrence emailing me. The following predictions for 2022. Mets are certainly going to make the playoffs. Um, The Golden State Warriors are going to win the NBA title. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are winning the Super Bowl. In politics, it's too sad for me to make a prediction that a former U.S. president will go to heaven. Wow. Uh, that is a little morbid, I must say. And uh, if you, yeah, I mean, mean, we don't want anybody to predict anyone's death. That's kind of... You know, it's bad juju, right? It's bad karma for for everybody, I think. You know, I do think that you're going to see some interesting developments when it comes to public health. I think that uh, the prevalence of this army vaccine, which I told you about a couple of days ago, where the army's vaccine is going to protect you against all the variants of COVID and it protects you against the common cold, plus these new Pfizer and Merck medications, that coupled with the contagiousness, the widespread contagiousness of this Omicron variant, I do think that it's going to lead to finally this pandemic ending. So uh, that's my prediction. 800-848-WABC. Nordy is calling from Boca Raton. Hello, Nordy. Hello, Paul Frank. What? I want to project that the Nostradamus appears to be correct. Because already we have probable failures of massive corn and soybean crops in South America that are growing right now. It's their summer, of course. They're, they're, they're experiencing 
massive drought, and the soybean and corn crops are failing. And if those crops fail, we will have massive food inflation worldwide. Well, what about his prediction of cannibalism, though? Well, that I can't project. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about cannibalism. That's a pretty bold claim. I'd be pretty surprised if we went towards cannibalism. I'll be honest, you know, um, everything is so, in our culture, all of Western society, is so ingrained against cannibalism that I would have a tough time seeing that, uh, you know, seeing that come to fruition. I doubt that that's going to, I doubt that that's going to happen. So we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, we're going to do the, hey, you know, I was looking at some other people's predictions as well uh, for 2022. And again, you can give us a call 800-848-9222. Some people were predicting that Apple would actually close more of their retail stores in 2022, which would be a pretty bold prediction because Apple is doing so well financially and they can afford, unlike a lot of these businesses, to keep their retail stores, they can afford to keep their retail stores open. Hey, by the way, I do want to mention I had an opportunity. Oh, you know what prediction I love? And I wish I could take credit for this. But I read about it in, uh, I don't know, one of the many online newsletters that I read. But they are predicting that ping pong will be the resurgent sport for 2022. There's this new, um, this new I don't know what you call it, this new service that's going to let people make appointments to play ping pong in, in, in it's in Axios. Ping pong could be the next pickleball. And this is what this article by uh, Jennifer Kingston says. We've had laser tag studios, indoor golf, and even indoor skydiving. Now a ping pong pro wants to bring his favorite sport to a corner near you. A team of entrepreneurs, including a table tennis phenom from the Philippines, has started up Ping Pod which operates two indoor studios in New York City, with more coming soon, including one in Philly. People can play ping pong on demand 24-7 at its studios and book tables online. I think this is really cool. For somebody like me who has odd hours and is always looking for people to play ping pong with and can never get somebody to come over at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, I am going to take advantage of these uh, this ping pod service which they're saying is the future of table tennis. So I am, I'm going to play this. Now, I hope ping pong does explode because, you know, I'm always looking for people to play with. Um, I wish I could predict that Ryan would answer the phone for the gentleman calling on line one, but hey, whatever, can't come to fruition all the time. The other thing that I'll go ahead and make a prediction on is that uh, I see butter making a big comeback this year or next year. And I'm not saying that only because of the uh, cream cheese crisis, but you remember years ago, everything was margarine, margarine, margarine. You don't hear about margarine. You don't hear about vegetable oil. You don't hear about, I can't believe it's not butter anymore. And butter is something that I think is a comfort food, number one. It does go with a lot of these paleo and keto and Atkins-style diets. I think you could see 2022 be sort of the biggest year for butter since the 70s. Pamela in central New Jersey, let me hear your prediction. 
Yeah, I think there's going to be a huge return to working with your hands, uh, mm. not only agriculturally, but uh, technical jobs, you know, plumbing, electrical, uh, mechanical. Well, uh, that would be quite interesting. Do you have a reason as to why you're making that prediction? Well, I think a lot of people, well, I know I'm into gardening and try to find gardening equipment in the uh, last two years. People return to the garden and uh, it was very hard to find those type of things. And people became, you know, knitting, sewing, uh, things you could do at home because there was, you know, nothing outside of uh, the house. And people started to realize that those things are very important. Basic well, things of life. Well, that very would important. that would certainly be interesting, Pamela. Pamela, thank you. You know, who would have thought? Pamela may be onto something. Who would have thought that roller skating would have made such a big comeback last year, right? But sure enough, it did. Who would have thought five years ago? And so a trend that's only continued. Who would have thought that um, y- you would see vinyl records make such a big comeback? But they did. So uh, who knows? We'll see. Only the shadow knows what lurks in the hearts of man. Who knows? A couple of other predictions here. Troy writes, Alec Baldwin will be charged with a crime. That's certainly an interesting prediction. And uh, this is a prediction from Julia, who predicts, I predict that before the end of 2022, the U.S. will be at war overseas. The government's solution to reduce inflation. Hmm. That is interesting. I certainly hope that's not the case. But if you look at the tensions that we're experiencing with China over Taiwan, if you look at the tensions that we're experiencing with Russia over Ukraine, it's certainly possible that that could happen. Uh, so who knows? 800-848-WABC. I got a SMS text message here. Um, oh, this person writes... I predict that Gerald Salente will not appear on your show in 2022 because you continually referred to him as Joe until you caught yourself doing so upon completion of your pre-recorded interview. I did not call him Joe. Did I? I don't think so. No way. Go back and listen to the podcast. No way. Uh, oh, I know this person sending this. He's sort of a crank. Uh, so he, he says stuff like this for attention, I think. 800-848-9222. Mike, let me hear your prediction. Good morning, Frank. Frank, um, for the uh, year 2022, you're going to lose as much weight as you need to. Uh, I think your personality is such that when you set your mind to something, you do it. Um, so well, thank you. I appreciate that, is, Mike. I appreciate that. Look at your goal. I, yeah, thank you. You know, losing weight has never been a problem for me. Keeping weight off, that's a problem for me. Uh, you can always lose it. It's keeping it off that's a struggle. Jeff emails, John Katz will take Red Apple Media to the next level by joining the TV project with a current news station that is not currently doing so well. And Frank will have a Larry King-like primetime interview show on the new TV channel. All right. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting prediction. Ross is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Ross. Happy holidays, Frank. Likewise. Hey, um, I don't know so much about cannibalism, but I will remind you that the uh, film Soylent Green is set in the year 2022. By the way, I had forgotten that. Is it really set in the year 2022? It is. 
Oh my goodness! Uh, that is <laughs> that is very very frightening. Um, who knows? You know, maybe with you know, there's so, such a movement away from meat these days. Who knows? But I don't think even in that film, if they knew what Soylent Green was really made out of, I don't even think they would be eating it. You know? Well, it remains to be seen. <laughs> it does indeed. All right, Russ, I pre- appreciate that prediction. Sarah is in Wisconsin. Sarah, let me hear your prediction for 2022. Hello, Frank. Well, first of all. Your show, it has to do with programming at WABC, your show will remain because you have the best show on on WABC by far. And I just started listening to you in March, and I love you. But my prediction is that in 2022, you will remain, but the entire staff will be replaced by Curtis Sliwa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You have to understand, never heard of Curtis Sliwa other than your your show when he was running for mayor. So I had no idea, really, what he was. And, of course, now I know exactly what he is. I tell you, Sarah, that might be one of the more accurate predictions that we've heard from anybody. Because at the rate we're going, uh, it's going to be Curtis, Curtis, Curtis. That's for sure. Oh, my God. He is amazing. I mean, stream of consciousness. Amazing. But, wow. That's one way of putting it. That's one way of putting it. Sarah, that's a long way. That is for sure, especially, I would think, for Wisconsin ears. Sarah, thank oh, you for the fun. call. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, thanks for being a sport. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Sarah. All right. If you have uh, other suggestions uh, or other thoughts, or other predictions, rather, you can give us a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. We will do the $1,000 Minute coming up in just a couple of minutes. If you want to try and answer 10 trivia questions in only 60 seconds, you can now do so by calling 800-848-9222. If you're the second Seventh caller to 1-800-848-WABC. We're going to ask you 10 trivia questions if you've never played this game before. And if you get them right, you will win $1,000. If you don't, you won't. Uh, we're also going to allow consolation prizes if you win, if you get eight right or nine right as well. This is The Other Side of Midnight, the $1,000 Minute, straight ahead. I love these guys. This is uh, from that great movie, Back to the Future. If you look at a lot of the predictions they made about what life would be like in the year 2015, it was sort of hit and miss. Those hoverboards never really took off, but a lot of other stuff did. So, you know, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. All right, I predict that one lucky, lucky person will get an opportunity to show off his brain power and try and win $1,000 because it's time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Morano. Yes, this is 
the $1,000 minute when one lucky person gets an opportunity to win $1,000. Answer 10 questions correctly within 60 seconds and you win $1,000. Answer 9 correctly within 60 seconds, you win 500 Answer 8 questions correctly within... Uh, 60 seconds, and you will win $250. Let's meet today's contestant, Tom in St. James. Hello, Tom. Hey, Frank. How are you? Ready to go, man. Uh, all right. Now, uh, Tom, where's St. James? Uh, St. James is uh, near, like, Port Jefferson, Long Island. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. Very good. I'm sure there's something politically incorrect about St. James. I'm sure we can change that uh, that name sooner rather than later. Uh, all right. So you're... You're familiar with the game, right, Tom? I am. I'm ready to go. Okay, great. So the timer will start as soon as I ask the first question. Every time you get a question right, I'm just going to move on to the next question. Ready to go? Let's go. How many states are there? 50. What kind of animal is Snoopy? A dog. What is the official nickname of Texas? Texas, Old Glory. No, I don't know. Oh, yeah. that is on, Texas is the Lone Star State. Uh, Lone Star State. Texas was the Lone Star Republic because it was an independent country for 10 years. But thank you for playing, Tom. Um, it, Ryan, if you would uh, grab Tom's information, we'll send him a consolation prize. And uh, I think. Um, I don't think that was too tough a question for question three, but I guess that's uh, I guess that's up for debate. Time now as well for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Here, Dick Morris, who you can hear every Sunday at high noon, talks about Kamala Harris and how her character has affected her so far. Now, increasingly focusing Washington is on the vice president, uh, Kamala Harris. Part of that is that everybody knows Biden isn't going to run for, isn't going to be reelected or serve out a second term. I don't think he's going to run. I think he's going to be dumped by the Democratic Party. And that, of course, focuses attention on Kamala Harris. And uh, we're increasingly learning who Kamala is. Yeah, I, I didn't hear any of um, Dick's show this past Sunday because busy with post Christmas stuff. But he certainly often does have a lot of insight to what's going on in politics. I'm not saying that's the case with the Kamala Harris situation, but he's been around a long time. You know, he went to Stuyvesant High School with Gerald Nadler and with Assemblyman Richard Godfrey. Richard Godfrey just announced that he's retiring this year. After more than 50 years in the state legislature, can you imagine that? The longest serving state legislator currently, and I think maybe the longest current, the, the longest serving state legislator in history. Now, he has been in the state assembly so long that when he was first elected at the age of, I think, 23, the Republicans controlled the state assembly in New York. That's how long ago he was elected. So uh, very, very interesting. Uh, I don't know if he said anything about Dick Gottfried and his um, and his retirement and, or what Dick Gottfried was like in high school. But uh, if he did, I want to go back and listen to the podcast because I'd certainly be curious about uh, what the story was here. I'm also curious about my gum health. I have to be honest. No one on the radio is a bigger proponent of flossing than I am. You know this. I've talked about flossing ad infinitum. 
I mean, I've gotten into such detailed and graphic flossing discussions that I've grossed out entire sectors of the audience. But, you know, here's the thing. Now, I floss once, twice a day. But something interesting has been happening the last, I don't know, I'm going to say the last week or so. Now, I floss and then I brush. What's been happening the last, let me say it, five days, is when I floss, especially this one area, on my uh, the right side of my mouth, on the upper part of my mouth, when I floss, my gums have been bleeding. Now, again, only in this one area. It's not unusual to have your gums bleed when you floss. But usually it happens when you don't floss regularly. It doesn't usually happen if you floss every day. They don't usually still bleed because usually, I don't know what it is, maybe your gums sort of toughen up that they don't bleed so easily when you're you're flossing. But I have never regularly bled while flossing. Now I am from this one section of my mouth. And now I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it merits a special trip to the dentist because um, I was just recently at the dentist. They looked looked me up and down. They said everything was kosher. But I'm, I don't know what the story is here. I'm going to see where we are in a couple of days if this continues because it is somewhat troublesome. Um, I'm hesitant to call the dentist because all the dentist is going to say is is uh, just come in, come in, come in so we can look at you. Why? So you can bill me another, you know, $150, $200 for a cleaning and to tell me everything looks great with my gums. So I'd be curious. I know we have a lot of dentists in our audience. I'd be curious if you have any suggestions about what this is all about. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC regular bleeding while flossing because you know what it is it's not only and I, I look i know it's a minuscule amount of blood and i get nosebleeds from time to time so it's uh you know it i'm not i don't freak out at the sight of blood i was trying to open a bottle of baby formula the other day and it had some thick metal uh like a metal foil on it and the metal foil cut my finger and i started bleeding profusely from my finger i don't know why they thought it was a good idea to encapsulate baby formula in a in, in in a substance that could actually harm you and cut you and lead you to bleed. But talk to the good folks at Similac. So the point is, I don't freak out when I see blood, but it does. It's awful to have that taste in your mouth of blood in your mouth. It's also a little disconcerting that whenever you spit while brushing, to have blood come out with your, I don't know, with your toothpaste. So if you have any insight into this, you can call me at 800-848-9222, or you can email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Here's a prediction that uh, I think is a pretty safe one to make. Inflation is going to get Worse, Inflation is already skyrocketing. It is out of control. And it is something that every American needs to be concerned about. The price of gas up. Price of groceries up. Price of tooth polish up. Price of everything is up. Maybe your salary is not up. What does that mean for you? Well, if you're retired or if you're close to retirement or even if you're thinking about retirement, your 
money, if it's in a conventional, traditional retirement account, is being eaten away by inflation. If that applies to you, then that means you need to go with the flow. Don't swim against the grain. And you need to think about converting your existing retirement account to a gold or a silver-backed IRA. Precious metals like gold and silver offer a hedge against inflation and protect you in your retirement. So you really need to think about adding gold to your portfolio, whether it's in your retirement account or somewhere else. It's a benefit to you. Legacy Precious Metals is the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased information based on your individual situation. Contact Legacy Precious Metals today. Call 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. Or you can visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Dot com. Uh, if you do go to that website, there's all sorts of free information that you can request. What I would have certainly appreciate if you did was when they ask you, where did you hear about it? Tell them you heard it from me, Frank Moreno. So it's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Scroll towards the bottom. Request this information for free. When it says, where did you request it? Say you heard it from me, Frank Moreno. All right, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame uh, coming up in about uh, 10 minutes. But in the meantime, if you have any insight on the floss situation, I could certainly use your help. Give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's uh, 1-800-848-WABC. Five open lines if you want to jump on board. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. Thank you, Andy B. This is the other side of midnight. You know, I, you know, I'm just looking up this this ping pod stuff. Not only can I go there and play 24 hours a day with somebody, right? But you know, I've been talking about wanting to get one of these robotic ping pong, these ping pong robots. I can play against one of these ping pong robots any time of the day. I, I am looking. First of all. I could go there now and play, and it's not even that expensive. I could play against a robot for 30 minutes, $15. I am almost starting to regret mentioning this because I don't want to have to compete with for spaces with all you off-hour workers when I just want to play my ping-pong robot. I'll tell you, I would go there and play now. If my wife was not in such a stressed-out mode caring for our young son uh, – and, you know, I don't really feel like saying to her, honey, I'm going to be home an hour and a half later than usual, 
and instead of taking care of our son so you can get some sleep and do something like shower, I'm going to go play ping pong against a robot. I'm sure that would make my prediction about more divorce in the year 2022 come to fruition. But once uh, young Carmine is sleeping through the night and so forth, I am gonna, I may play here every day. This looks really cool. I, ho- I hope it takes off. Uh, enough to stay in business, but not enough so that it's crowded. That's right. 800-848-WABC. Roger is in the Bronx. Hello, Roger. Hey, Frankie. First time. Uh, how you doing? I'm well. So uh, you are a you are this your virgin journey on our little program. Yes, yes, it is. Well, we have to give I, you your first time caller fanfare then. But uh, but well, I, I'm pleased that you called in, Roger. I got an answer to your go problem. Let me hear it. Uh, I, I was a researcher. I did research for a long time, and I turned this on to my dentist. Uh, you take. Uh, liquid CoQ10 and you wash your mouth out with it and it, it, what it does, it, it builds up your, your vascular system in your gums, it helps your gum and it, it rebuilds the cells within your gums and uh, it's very it, it, I, I'm pretty I'm, I was going to tell you it work because my dentist loves my, uh, he loves me when I told him that. So Roger, all I have to do is rinse my mouth with liquid CoQ10? Yeah, you can get it in the vitamin shop. Uh, you know, I'm going to start doing that right away. That's a great suggestion. Thank you, Roger. It, it, it'll work. It'll, it'll work for any any gum disorder. All right, I will try that. And Thank you. you. Oh, uh, I didn't know you had another thought there, Roger. Sorry. Call back again. Hopefully, you'll make this a uh, a routine. Jacqueline is in Greenwich Village. Hello, Jacqueline. Hi, Frank. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Frank, I've been using a toothpaste called Neem. N e e m. Uh, you can get it in Whole Foods or you can get it online. And it was recommended by a, a dentist who was on Dr. Oz's show one day. And it's, uh, it's helped my gums. I had periodontal problems. I don't anymore. So that might be um, a, a good thing for you to try. Give me the two things again. Neem, N-E-E-M? Yeah. yeah okay. It's brown. Uh, you know, it, it's not, uh, you know, bad tasting, but it's certainly not flavorful. But, well, that's okay. Know, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, if, it, if it helps your gums that way, uh, and if it's a recommendation from Dr. Oz, I will certainly give it a try. Yeah, yeah. And secondly, congratulations on your son. Um, when, Thank you. Uh, when I was at Thanksgiving dinner and there's that horrible, inevitable moment of, you know, what are you thankful for? I interjected, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about what are we thankful for in life? That is not another person. Uh, so that eliminates the obligatory, I'm thankful for the person to my left. And then, you know, that goes on nonsensically yeah, yep. for a half, half hour. But I realized I was, the thing I was thankful for was my motherhood, not my son. I mean, although I'm grateful for him, but parenthood brings out a love you just didn't know you had in you. It's boundless, and it's wonderful, and it really rounds you out as a human being. So I hope that's uh, going to be your experience next Thanksgiving when you start giving. Well, thank you, Jacqueline. I appreciate that, and uh, I certainly echo your sentiment completely. Appreciate that. Um, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Fan. I posted that article about your DNA testing, sending a relative to jail, potentially. It's worth reading. Please check it out. And uh, you can also 
join our Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. And what I've noticed about this Facebook page is two things, or the Facebook group, I should say, not the page, is that, one, a lot of people are just keeping Facebook because of this group, because it's very entertaining. It's mostly criticism, and then there's Ellen, right? So Ellen praises what we do, I'd say, 80% of the time, and then there's a chorus of critics, and then there's a whole bunch of people that belong to this Facebook group that don't even listen to the show. And they base what they're responding to based on what other people who do listen to the show say. So it it becomes like a game of radio telephone. I say something, somebody responds to my saying something, and somebody reacts not having heard the original thing that I said. In fact, Frank Diaz, when I walked in last night, said, I got to tell you, the most entertaining experience I've ever had in life is being part of this Facebook group. Now, I wish he would have said the most entertaining experience he's had in life is listening to this show, but I guess that was too much to hope for. That being said, you might get the same entertainment if you join the Facebook group. Just search M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. Meantime, it is time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Jimmy is in Brooklyn. Hello. Jimmy! Ah, read the Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice of CNN.com. Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice of CNN.com. Janine Fear the Criminal Fraud that is in New York City. You have a very fulfilling life, Jimmy. Fred in Yonkers, hello. Hello, Frank. You had a guest on that was talking about translation. I was a bit confused. Is that what happens when Caitlyn Jenner gets her pee-pee back? Ouch. Uh, Joe in Ron Konkuma. I had a prediction, Frank. Donald Trump will be president 2024. Let's go, Brandon. But that's not really a prediction for 2022, though. Sal in Brooklyn, hello. Yeah, this Omicron's giving everybody a lot of trouble, especially in the city. If they want to eliminate it in Staten Island, just have it parked in front of somebody's house. <laughs> Robert in Manhattan. Joe Biden will handily win the election, beating DeSantis by a wide margin. Again, I don't think there's any presidential election scheduled for 2022. I think the next scheduled one isn't until 2024. Raji. Please note that as soon as you buy gold, coins, or bars, the resale value drops by 10%, plus there is the cost of storage and risk of burglary, and your life think again. Anthony in Edison. Anthony. Moving on. Joe in Queens. Thank God for Joe Biden. <laughs> David in New Jersey. Hey, everybody. Krispy Kreme, Chris Christie always said that the Second Amendment ended at your threshold. In 2022, he shall be proven wrong. God bless America. The Second Amendment. William in Westchester. Hey, Frank, you know, you've got this clown who sometimes gets through two, three times a program with the same recognizable voice and uneducated diction. What gives there? 
Uh, look, you know, you got to talk to Ryan, I guess. Jeff in Queens. Frank, when you said the thing about ping pong, I thought you, you were referring to what you play ping pong. I thought as a physical activity, not a computer game. Am I wrong? No, it's it's you play against a robot who shoots you the balls. It's really cool. I want to play. Paul in the East Village. She's a moron. She's a moron. She's a moron. Eddie in Nassau County. Yes, Joe Biden, recipient of the ancient Indian curse that bumps them all off when they're elected in the zeros. Richie in the Bronx. Hey, uh, Frank, you should probably try to floss more more than once a day. And also maybe change your technique, get some advice from a dentist. Because I used to have bleeding, and uh, they kind of taught me how to do it. I do it more free, do it twice a day, and it, it, the bleeding stopped. Well, thank you, Richie. Yeah, that's always been my experience. And finally, Steve on Long Island. God bless America for Joe Biden. <laughs> well done, Steve. Well done. All right, that slams the lid on things for today. The 77 WABC Early News with Frank Diaz is next. You want to stay in touch with me, you can do so via email. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Just search The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. And uh, you can like the Facebook page as well. Facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan. I will be back tomorrow, our final show of 2021 where we'll tell you about the least covered news stories of the year. And uh, I have some other tricks up my sleeve for tomorrow as well, including a very special guest that you're going to want to hear from. Uh, Tune in tomorrow beginning at 1 a.m. to find out who. Frank Morano, good day. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.